of Between the Sheets, episode number 398. I'm your host, Chris Zellner, joined as always by my co-host, David Bix and Span. And Bix, how was your weekend? Hell if I know. <laughs> I did get... GCW show, didn't Yeah, on Friday, yeah, I was going to say, I did, you know, I did, did go to that and got to talk, you know, with some of our dear friends like Dave Prezak and MLJ and all that. And procured your bag of money from Brett Lauderdale. Sure. Pay off. Got your payoff for being the uh, their their sh- their uh, corporate shill. <laughs> Again, there's a crack I can make that I'm not gonna because the people who it would be about would not take it as a joke. <laughs> so. Oh me. Again, like last time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh me! No, but it was good. To, good to what? see them. And who else did I try? Any between the sheets specific people that I would have bumped into? I don't think so. Um, but it was good to see them and all the other usuals. Oh yeah, Jan- Janella briefly. Cause, uh, some of them were more rushing to get to their car after their. Sh- well, I was talking to a praise act to a praise act to praise act for a while, but a bunch of them were also rushing to the cars to get on their way to- towards Buffalo for the Toronto show too. So. Do you get to talk to everyone? But it, but had a good time, and it was good to catch up with Prazak and Emil and everyone. There you go. So, not bad, not bad. Yes. All right. Well. Although, wait, I should mention too. Actually, Prazak uh, had a friend of his from who he'd known since high school uh, there with him, and I asked him how often he saw Prazak uh, call the WCW nine hundred number backdoor from the cafeteria, and. He was like, how do you know that? <laughs> there you go. So, yes. No fabrications there. That did happen. <laughs> did anyone Dave think Prezak? otherwise? <laughs> no, but no, but you know how some people are. Day president would never lie. No. All but... right. So, let's go to the show now, shall we? As we go to the week that was March the 22nd through 28th of 1995. And we start with the World Wrestling Federation. That's WrestleMania is around the corner. Bam Bam Bigelow and Lars Taylor on Howard Stern on March the 28th for about 45 minutes. Where Bigelow insists nobody's going to tell him to lose the match. Stern, normally a pro wrestling hater, put the deal over. And he even said he was going to order the pay-per-view. Sadly, we don't have any audio of this. But this is what we got into... Um... On the, well, we're getting into on the Patreon show, actually, on the uh, My Tyson Patreon show, where it comes up about Lawrence Taylor not being a national draw, but being a big draw in the tri-state area. Well, here we go. I mean, this guy on Stern, Stern's talking about possibly ordering the pay-per-view just because Lawrence Taylor's on there. So, yeah, I mean... That shows how big of a deal this was in that part of the country. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, this is not. This is March of nineteen ninety-five. So, yeah, Stern is a national name by this point in time, but still, his main bread and butter is New York, Philly, New Jersey, Connecticut. I mean, that, just that general area. Yes, that's I still mean, that's still the fertile home base of Stern. I, I've given this example before, but it's been a while, so I might as well bring it up again. Uh, just to show his popularity. 
so at this time, I think, yes, it, it would be at this time, because we're only like a, a year or so into the E-Show at this point, right? It started in 94, or was it 95? It started in 94 with the rate, you know, he had the, he had that little E-Show. The interview the show earlier. Show. Yeah. Yeah, and then the radio show started, I think, late 94, going early 95. Yeah, yeah I'm double checking do real quick. I do remember something in 94, but not many. Okay, E, the show, okay, June 94, so it's been less than a year. Okay. Um, okay. So where was I going with this? So yeah, so at this time, definitely, cable vision, you know, where Howard Stern lives, where he has a ton of his fans in the New York market, and in, I mean, in radio ratings books, I think even Nassau, for whatever reason, was considered a separate market sometimes. I don't understand why, but on cable vision, E was not a 24-7 channel. It shared channel space with MSG. E would go off the air in the evenings. That's a problem when the Howard Stern show aired at 11 a.m. with replays at 2. Mm-hmm. Well, what was it? It was new show 11, rerun at 11.30. Yeah. And then later on, I think eventually, and maybe even at this point, too, I forget, was it, I forget, was it 2 or 2.30 was the replay of 11? Oh, it would be 11, I guess, because of the West Coast. I mean, it would be 2, yeah. would be. And then 2.30 yeah. was a separate rerun. Yeah. So what they would do is, at 2 a.m. on the channel they carried the Weather Channel on, well, and at this point it was also New Sport Talk, New Sport, um, home of New Sport Talk, they would run the 2 to 3 o'clock block, which they did for years, even after they had E full-time, for whatever reason. But it's there was so me. much it's demand. The, it, it, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's the, yeah. It still gets me that there was actually sharing of channels. <laughs> well, by we that point, that. I mean, in the mid, not by the mid 90s, you really didn't need it. Well, here's the other thing, too. Like, you know, we always had the cable remotes and boxes that had the AB button. I never knew anyone that lived somewhere where the cable system had A channels and B channels. But allegedly they had room for them. So I always found that very confusing. But, but yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, we're getting the time, you know, when the first book's coming out. Well, the first book's are maybe already out by this time. But, you know, of course, Private Parts, it's... It is, uh, yeah, because the movie comes out in, like, two years. Yeah, two, three years. Yeah, yeah, Private Parts comes out in early 97. So, and that's when Stern really blows up then. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so, but, so again, you know, getting this on there it was a big big deal for WF in that area, which they're trying to draw heavy from because WrestleMania's in Connecticut. So, yeah, it's a shame we don't have uh, any audio of that. But it, anyway. Alright, so let's go to Monday Night Raw. And the Torch has the Raw review here. As Dave Meltzer's in Japan. Again, we'll have more on that later. Raw from a video package previewing the Owen Hart-Bret Hart feud, including scenes from Survivor Series as Owen and Bret is the single match on Raw on this evening. And a no holds bar match later in the show's the main event. The rest of Raw's video recaps to build up WrestleMania. Imagine them trying to do that today. Where they, well, they couldn't do it for three hours. But, you know, have a devoted Raw just to video recaps and promos and shit like that to build up WrestleMania. That'd be, be something. But easier to do in this era here when you only got uh, an hour of TV time to fill. Jim Ross Girl Monsoon previewed the main event from their broadcast position from a video screen of a live arena. 
Rawson through to Vincent Man and Todd Pettengill in the studios at Titan. After hyping WrestleMania, video package aired on the Shawn Michaels Diesel feud, recapping the well-developed long-term storyline between the two, dating back to their Survivor Series breakup, the Sid's debut, and Shawn's speech at the WrestleMania press conference. The man speculated about what kind of champion Michaels could turn out to be, referring to his title reign as a probability. Huh. <laughs> a probability. Okay. Okay, I'm curious to watch the intro to this show, because I always found it interesting when they did this, like, pretend that we have two different shows going on with two different sets of hosts interacting with each other thing. I mean, in this case, it's not two arenas, but let's see. Although I can see from queuing it up, they're in front of a green screen of a crowd. It's like the it's like the Action Zone hosts here. So, but let's see. Special edition of Monday Night Raw. I'm Jim Ross, along with the Hall of Famer Gorilla Monsoon, and thank you so much for being with us. And ladies and gentlemen, we are eagerly anticipating one of the most dynamic one-on-one confrontations in recent WWF history. It is a no-holes-barred matchup between brother versus brother. Brett the Hitman Hart meets his younger brother Owen Hart right here tonight on Monday Night Raw. And Gorilla, tell us the rules of a no-holds-barred matchup. Well, Jim Ross, no-holds-barred says it all. When the bell rings, anything goes. Of course, no disqualifications, no count-outs, pinfall or submission. The only way you can win And I ran into the Hitman back in the locker room area. Here's a guy, Jim Ross, more determined, more dedicated to once and for all. And this, you're going to be surprised when you see the Hitman. Well, I'm going to be talking to Brett the Hitman Hart a little bit later in this broadcast. But ladies and gentlemen, we're not bringing this uh, tremendous night of action to you alone, as you can see. We're being joined by our colleagues in Stanford, Connecticut, the ever dapper Vince McMahon, and look who's with him. Hey, tonight. I know that guy, Todd uh... Pettengill. Pettengill. Hey, easy for you to say. Of course, Todd Pettengill and Vince McMahon back in Connecticut, as we said. And gentlemen, why don't you tell us what else we're going to be seeing tonight here on this special edition of Raw? Well, I think you're going to see it all, as a matter of fact, Jim Ross. You're going to see and hear from just about every participant at this year's How about that WWF Vince's pop WrestleMania. There. You will hear from Lawrence Taylor getting into the psyche of the gridiron mm. superstar. You'll hear from Bam Bam Bigelow, the beast from the East, who's already called this the biggest match of his career. We'll also hear from some members of the Million Dollar Corporation, and we'll get some insight into a couple of members of LT's All-Pro Team. And they are psyched. I mean, big time. And they are psyched. Yeah, Vince has got a black turtleneck with Raw in a blue script blue and green and like embroidering it's it's but it's vince's like weird i want to look all like reverendy turtlenecks yeah well todd pettengill looks like the concierge of a a mafia (laughs) he's wearing a suit with an earring and it's slicked back hair. Absolutely. Looking for and it's the shirt. It's the shirt that gives it the concierge away. Oh, that it's I such mean, a bright white shirt. Would you agree? Yeah, that collar. No, the collar. Oh, yeah. collar it's specific. everything. It's hot tubs. It's super. <laughs> oh, Todd has a collar. ponytail here. You take and he's got, yeah, his hair slick. The Super Bowl. Take the World Series. Remember when they used to concierge. play that game? Roll them all into one incredible night, and you've got WrestleMania, of course, from the World Wrestling Federation, the originator, the innovator. It is an incredible night. And it's all on pay-per-view. But right now, let's take you to, uh, well, let's show you when Diesel and Shawn Michaels had right. better days. Back. Okay. Um, did Vince say hi, Mom, or hi, Bob? 
Huh? When he was addressing, uh, or was it Todd that said that? It sounded like Vince to me when they did when they threw to them that he said either "Hi, Mom" or "Hi, Bob" to Gene to Gorilla as a joke. I don't know, but I couldn't figure out what he was saying. Anyway, um, something just hit me. I can't believe I ever thought of before, or excuse me, never thought of before. Why isn't Brett Owen no holds barred just the pay per view match and Brett Backlund the submission match, the TV match? <laughs> Who knows? Or no, it was I quit match technically, but Who still, knows? like that would have made more sense. It's a rematch of WrestleMania a year earlier. It's the blow off. It's the better match. Well, anyway, we get a soundbite with Salt and Pepper. Ooh, uh, hyping there. WrestleMania appearance. Shall we? Yeah, might as well. Oh, it's a recording session. Second, we'll be adding a little salt and pepper to WrestleMania. We're going to serenade Lawrence Taylor into the ring live, as only salt and pepper can. You don't want to miss this performance. LT and the whole world is going to get fantasized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything yeah. can happen in the WWF. Never know. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen as it relates to the Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow matchup. Unbelievable. All right, let's keep it here. I let's ask keep it going. Vince, you've been associated with great matches before in the World Wrestling Federation. Has anything ever captured the entire world like this match has? I don't believe so. I just hope that it lives up to its hype. You know how all those Super Bowls and everything is like they don't live up to their hype? Well, here in the World Wrestling Federation, that's the one thing <laughs> we always deliver, ladies and gentlemen. I believe Bam Bam Bigelow is going to deliver the goods indeed. Not saying that Lawrence Taylor won't, because I think you're going to see a different LT, a more ferocious LT than you ever saw in the gridiron. Well, we'll certainly find out Sunday night. Actually, let's take you back and show you how this whole unfortunate situation began. It happened at the 1995 WWF Royal Rumble in Tampa. Take a look. It all began innocently enough. Uh, it all began innocently enough. And there's Bobby Coupo. Yeah. So, unlike the Super Bowl, the WF always delivers. Which, we, I mean, the 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 days of the Super Bowl being a close game just by every year, that's only recent memory. Yes. I mean, there were many years there where the Super Bowl was just a blowout just by every year. And the Super Bowl that year was a big-time blowout. 49ers beat the Chiefs by, like, six touchdowns, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, a major, major blowout then, but... uh that's a rich line. What was but that? Anyway, we, what was that game that was like a re, re, like within the last decade that was like unusually a blow off by recent Super Bowl standards? That uh, a blowout, excuse me. That uh, the one that like I enjoy, but the hardcore football fans seem to hate. In recent years, there was one within the last decade that was like comically dominant. Um. I'm trying to take now because because they've all been kind of closish. Um, the this, the 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 last big blowout was Seahawks Broncos. That that's that's the one I think. They met Life Stadium because wasn't that, that the was one the, where there were like multiple interceptions into touchdowns and stuff? Yeah, Super Bowl Forty Eight. Yeah, that was Peyton Manning getting his ass whipped by the uh, Seahawks in that game. But yeah, you, mm. I mean, you look at that the last. The last ten Super Bowls, I uh, see three. That's the one. I right, said so that would be the the twenty fourteen. 
All right. Then you have four points, 14, 6, 8, 10, 11. Tampa Bay can't see his blowout, 22, 3, and 3. So, I mean, you know, a lot of close games, including one overtime, which is the one the Falcons lost. But you look at the uh, Super Bowls before this WrestleMania, 23, 17, uh, 35, 13, 1, 45, <laughs> 4, 32, 19, 36. So a lot of big point differentials. So, yeah. Vince could toot his horn on that one, I guess. But anyway, we get the LT Bigelow package airing, and then we need to we need to skip to back to Vince and Todd. So Vince and Todd can have their discussion about the National Football League and how they treat their players. <laughs> so this is after that package before the Backland interview? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. so let me cue that up. Give me one sec. Oh, we've got clips of the Fan Fest. Well, I guess last year's Fan Fest. So let's start there, because that'll be right before the thing here. Okay, here we no, go. I don't know. It may be. It may be. Maybe before this. Oh, it might be before because this. Because it was. A, it was after the Bigelow. Taylor Directly Vino. after. Okay, yeah. I see. Mm. Oh, Vince is, Vince has got his hands. Yeah, you can see how animated he's getting. He's gesticulating. Uh oh. Now I'll, I'll refresh wall. it. Yeah. <laughs> The wall, brother. <laughs> Gesticulating, didn't he, isn't that what he got in trouble for? <laughs> Go back to uh, probably about fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah I am. You're, you're. Let's see. All right, there he is. He's you can just see thing. him going. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sunday Night Slam last night. Yeah, so let's let's, let's play it from here. Yeah. It's going to set you on fire, LT. You're going down. You're out of your league. Actually, it's interesting so that they didn't do Raw as a replay of Sunday Night Slam either. They just they decided to do them back to back. So a Sunday Night Hype show and then a different Monday Night Hype show. And Sunday Night Slam really wasn't much of nothing. <laughs> so. It was, it, what was it? It was Luger, Tatanka, and a cage match and what else? It was um, Luger to talk in the cage, Bigelow and Sione, Bob back on the double J, which was weird. Have heel versus heels, um, and that had a whole setup match. to it too, with Bob stealing the contract from Mary Horowitz and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you had Vince in an interview with Diesel, um, where Sean said he's going to go over at WrestleMania with those words. With Diesel sent over, over my dead body. Okay. But, then they had clips of what we're going to play later with Men on the Mission. Um, yeah, it wasn't a whole lot of nothing, really. The, the TV booking on this, for this going into Mania is really weird. Yes. You have all these extra programs and stuff with people who are on the show. Yeah. I mean, if this was a later era WrestleMania... Do Luger Tatanka in a cage on WrestleMania? You know, like, yeah. Why, why, why have Luger jerking the curtain in a tag instead of? Uh, I don't know. Hi. When you think about this matchup between Bam Bam and LT, I think Bam Bam is the one who has more to lose than Lawrence Taylor, because Bam Bam says, "This is my world, LT. You're stepping in." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Not Sorry. that my world. Oh, okay. All right. Got a blue chew code? No. Who? Lawrence Taylor has stated he's not a professional rustler. He doesn't intend to rustle. LT intends to brawl. Now, the question is, can his... There's another Vincism we forget about. What? Now the question is... Oh. Brawling tactics overcome the rustling skill of a Bam Bam Bigelow. Will it be LT who is embarrassed at the end of this matchup? Will all of the NFL players be embarrassed because, indeed, they are in a different world? See, I think that's a valid point that Bam Bam Bigelow brings up. Can he beat a bunch of crazed dogs? I think he can. Don't put me in the position of defending Bam Bam Bigelow. I don't like him, and I'm not afraid to say that. But Lawrence Taylor is definitely stepping into an unknown world. Yes, he's a talented football player. He was an awesome athlete, but he is untested and unproven in the squared circle. What, what kind of tactics can he possibly have against somebody the size, the enormity of Bam Bam Bigelow? Well, see, I, 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 I don't think the size of Bam Bam is really going to be the question here because LT was always accustomed to, to meeting uh, scrapping with, with huge men. No pads. No pads, no helmets. I understand that. But I think it's going to go much beyond the single effort of Bam Bam and LT. I think the support mechanisms are going to play a part in this match. As a matter of fact, I think you're going to see one of the biggest brawls, one of the biggest Donnie Brooks you have ever seen because it's a matter of ego. It's a matter of pride. These NFL All-Pros are not going to want to be put down by WWF superstars from the Million Dollar Team. They don't want to be embarrassed. I'll tell you who's not happy about it, too, is NFL owners. Quite seriously, if they have a player who's making millions of dollars with an NFL contract get hurt at WrestleMania, they are going to be upset. And that's exactly what could happen, because Ted DiBiase has already said he's matching up guys one-on-one to take on the All-Pro team. This could be a a reality. Not only the match inside the ring against Bam Bam and LT, but as you said, the Downeybrook that may very well occur outside the ring. And you don't know whether or not it's going to occur before the match, during the match, after the match. Who knows? All we can tell you is going to be excitement as only the WWF can bring you, ladies and gentlemen. And speaking of excitement, we've just been notified that Jim Ross, when we return, is standing by as we speak with Bob Backlund, who has uh, an avid interest in this no-holds-barred encounter. Hope Jim Ross has his dictionary out. All right, World Wrestling so. Federation Fan Festival is going on this oh, week. Oh, here we go. Let's listen to Civic Center Exhibition Hall. The Fan Festival is the experience of a lifetime. It's interactive, so you can experience the WWF in a hands-on style like never before. At the Fan Fest, you'll have a chance to call an actual WWF match and even take a tape home with you. You'll also see the race car of dual sports superstar Bob Sparkplug Holly, who captains the World Wrestling Federation racing team. And this year at the Fan <laughs> Festival, you'll get to meet legendary WWF WWF Hall of Famers such as Gorilla Monsoon and Classy Freddie Blassie. There are plenty of opportunities all this weekend to experience the second annual World Wrestling Federation Fan Festival, but you better hurry because time is running out. Get your tickets at the Hartford Civic Center box office and at all Ticketmaster outlets. Call 203-525-4500. No sport, no form of entertainment cares more about their fans than we do here in the World Wrestling Federation. That much is for Yeah, sure. that's right. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> You're going to have a blast. The whole family will when you attend the WWF Fan Festival all weekend long. Oh, it's great to watch on TV, but when you can interact with the WWF superstars in person, it's even better. Mm. Fan Fest is great. Can't wait to see you out there. Yeah, and how about Bob Hines' right. uh, stock car? Huh? Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> I think they 
don't go back to it until access after 95, right? Or I don't think they yeah, do one in 96, just, do they? No, they don't. And the thing that, you know, the, the back to the football players, I mean, Reggie White was part of this. And Steve McMichael. Mr. Mongo and Michael, but I'm going to say Reggie White and Chris Spielman were still in their prime yes. star football players. You know, I mean... And there are these weird secondary attractions. I mean, who else was there? I'm trying to... All right, so... Um, was Ken Norton Jr. part of that? I think he was. I think so. Um, I'm looking now. Who else? But, I mean, they were all defensive players. Um... Okay, Ken Norton Jr., Carl Banks, Ricky Jackson, Steve McMichael, Reggie White, Chris Spielman. Okay, so yeah, R- Ricky Jackson was was still there. Uh, well, he, I think that may have his last season. But Norton's still in his prime. Spielman's still in his prime. Carl Banks was getting long in the tube and Reggie. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, those are some big names. And, yeah, I could – there probably was maybe a little, kind of a legit thing from the NFL owners – Especially about Reggie White, because you know, he was, I think, the highest paid player in the league at the time. To uh, possibly have a sort of an accident happen could get hurt. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So Ross interviewed Bob Backlund in the locker room. Where Backlund <laughs> said that he may procure With the gold farb, doing backflips. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he may procure the chicken wing later in the show or wait until WrestleMania. Then we get a video package plugging uh, or uh, recapping the Razor Ramon Jeff Jarrett feud. Man told about Undertaker losing his urn, how Ted DiBiase would bring in the ringside, which a pre-tape interview aired of Undertaker with his usual creepy cliches. Then we get a brief interview from Brett, and then Vince and Todd threw about the Ross and Monsoon in the arena, where we get Brett and Owen in the no-holds-bar match. They attacked each other early. Owen took offense in three minutes. At 4.40, Owen nailed Brett with a very strong-looking insecurity. Owen took Brett outside the ring, ran into the stairs for the second time, then into the steel security railing. Ross and Monsoon wondered how Brett Nolan would recover from such a brutal match in time for WrestleMania just six days later. Brett got a quick near fall from a sudden crucifix attempt, but Owen went back on offense. It's a cliche, but Brett's execution was excellent in this match. Thanks, Wade. Really standing out compared to most of the wrestlers. In the end, Owen missed the top row dropkick. Brett sleek shot Owen into an exposed turbuckle. With a loft on the sharpshooter, Owen gave up seconds later. Brett refused to release the sharpshooter and replay their house show finishes over the past few months. I mean, I get your thought process on Brett and Owen being... But right, it had been the house show program. It just wasn't with that, and it just had been in WrestleMania last year. Yeah. I mean, it could also have done a different gimmick, I guess, but... Yeah, but it had just been the Mania match, so I get it. Still good match, though. Which it should have been. I mean, mean, those two shouldn't have any type close to a bad match. So after this match, Vince and Todd explained how one would order the pay-per-view. Then we get pre-take comments from LT, including scenes him in his football days. Then a promo with DiBiase and Bigelow, and then Vince and Todd closed the show. Wait, strong point. A well-produced conversational review of the major angles in the WrestleMania. Ross is called the Owen Brett match was strong as was the match itself. A three-star effort. So there you go. The go-home Raw for WrestleMania. Remember when it was rare to get a three-star match on television? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, 
it didn't happen a whole hell of a lot in certain eras. So now, uh, staying with the torch mania on the 25th, acknowledged the arrest of Brian Adams, AKA crush. Todd Pangel said that as a result of Adams arrest and acknowledging his real name on television on charges relating to controlled substances, weapons, violations, the WF has sent notification that he had been terminated. We don't have this clip either, but, um, this is a very rare instance of WF doing something like this on television. And I'm guessing it's because, I mean, he had just been back at the Rumble, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though he had otherwise been off of TV for months. Mm-hmm. So it's understandable why they would. Even if it's yeah. weird that they only did it on Mania. Yeah, it's just... The kids show. It's just something they didn't do though was it was acknowledge stuff like this using real names and shit like that you know well it was in the news too which was the other thing well, i mean yeah if if the tony holma stuff had made the news i would think they would have mentioned it the previous year since he had you know he kind of had a similar just kind of you know disappeared shortly before it happened thing yeah similar charges too right wasn't it yeah I'm looking at cage match real quick. So yeah, uh, Crush has no matches between late September and the Rumble, and then has no matches between the Rumble and his return in July '96. Yeah, with his uh, alleged prison tattoo that mysteriously disappears when he leaves the Nation of Domination. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So did Crush? Did he? Uh, did he convert in prison? I guess so. To not the nation of Islam? <laughs> but then he uh, reconverted with his brotherhood, the uh, the Harris brothers. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, Why do I get the fake? I really don't. Boy, did <laughs> fake nation of Islam, the Harris twins. <laughs> I can think of only one thing that those two things would have in common, and they're not, and it's not good. <laughs> yes, you're right. About that. Yeah, I get, wow. I, maybe certain people who they might not like. The wow. Nation of Islam and the Harris Twins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They had some common ground, brother. <laughs> well what we do have a clip for is middle on a mission apologizes to the smoking guns on the wrestling challenge so let's go to that clip shall we all right and this is the challenge version and if you're sitting here wondering wait why would what's clearly about to be a not major angle but an angle taking place on challenge much less outside of sweeps well remember Everything that happens on challenge is also on action zone. Maybe he's going to make an apology, too. No. First of all, hi, Charleston. How are you? Last week, men on a mission. 
How dead is this crowd that they had to dub in uh, canned noise for him getting a cheap, like, Hello Town pop? <laughs> it's Charleston, West Virginia, too. You mean AEW's best uh, per cap interest market in the country? Yeah, the one they'll probably never run again, or maybe for a house show. Yeah. Well, if Mabel was alive, they'd have reason here not to bring him in. <laughs> we came out. We had a championship match with the Smoky Guns. A great match. We lost the match, and we got a little upset. A little overzealous. We sort of did something we shouldn't have done. Oh, come on. What I want to do right Jeff now. I forgot they still have Oscar after they already the started the tournament. The back, they're watching the monitor as I speak. Well, I want to say, Julian Bart, if you would please come out here into the ring so me and my partner Mo can make a public apology. All right. In I'll front of set. you. All right. Now, notice Mabel and Moo have black hair and Oscar has blonde hair. So. And all these good oh, yeah, they don't have the blonde hair anymore. I told you so, didn't I? Uh, so oh, it's all South Carolina. If you would, come down to the ring. I told you that Oscar was... And he hails his present. Me. <laughs> I can't believe this. Well, once again, you're going to have to say hats off to the entire team of Ben Animation now. And there's Billy and Bart, World Wrestling Federation, Tag Team Champions right out of the mouth of Mabel and Moe. Well, I still say it's Oscar's influence. And if they get rid of Oscar, they'd be a lot better off. What's wrong with that kind of influence? It's terrible. Oh, guys. There's nothing to fear. Oh, man. This is disgusting. Billy. Just keep quiet. Bart. I want to speak for me, Oscar, and Moe. Give me a crying time. And say, guys, we're sorry for what happened last week. In my opinion, I think you guys are the greatest World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champion of all time. Oh, man. It's a big right, man come to on, say give that. it up for him. Well, the best These guys of all deserve time. those belts. Me and IRS. They have paid their I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, they're loving it here. Yeah. So right now, please. Glad somebody is. Say from the bottom of my heart, guys, a big heart. I'm sorry, good luck in the rest of your career. Oh, why don't you just go please ahead and shake our hands, please? Oh, man. oh yes, true sportsmanship. Oh, that's what it's all about here in the World Wrestling Federation. Oh, isn't that sweet? Boy, I love to see that. I knew it. I told you. Oh, no. I told you so, Monsoon. This is despicable. This is fantastic. I don't believe this. Now that's championship caliber there. Now that vacuum cleaner is very upset at this turn of events. I told you they had it, Monsoon. I was right. Billy and Bart got down on the canvas. Obviously hurt with WrestleMania just a week away. Oscar's not happy. Oh, no. Get rid of me. Look at 
wants to, they're gonna splash in. Oh no! There was a very weird edit after that leg drop. <laughs> yeah. Which I take to mean, knowing who this is, that he might have heard him and there was something noticeable about it. Possible. Because it's, what, six months later that he breaks the Undertaker's face on the same spot? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Show me their true colors here! <laughs> I gotta admit, Marshall, I couldn't have done this better myself. I don't believe what I've seen here this week. Well, see it and believe it. Oh, there's Dr. Robert Bedard. I've truly seen the light. They've come around. And folks, in just one week, take a look. Billy and Mark Hurt, they have to defend at WrestleMania 11. Against, well, the Rocket King, Owen Hart, and his mystery partner, whoever that may be, I'm not sure that that's going to the smoking guns have never looked better. Oscar is out cold. Yeah. Come on, let's get some help. Now he's got his hat on. That's sick. Unbelievable. Fantastic. Hey, Monsoon. I told you so. You got to admit it. I was right. Go ahead, admit it. You got to admit it. I was right. With I was right. I won't admit it. You were just as surprised as everybody else, Stevie. <laughs> Pleasantly surprised. I told Tony you they had indeed for men on a mission. You know, sooner or later, I'm mean, going to have to pay for something. Look at that. <laughs> Talk about getting sucker punched. <laughs> and Oscar, I told you they had to get rid of the, the excess luggage, oh. and they have. I'm, you know, I would be surprised, DiBiase, if oh, you wait, 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 let's go wait. straight to the top. Checking no prisoners. Everybody, beware. Oh my, bad news! Alright, okay. So speaking of the booking on TV being weird Good going Lord. into Mania, do they mention once at Mania and Beyond that this B-Town happened a week before the title change? I think it's mentioned, but... Yeah, Mania's Owen and Yokozuna. Yokozuna making his return and then winning the tag titles. You just shot this big heat angle with the smoking guns and men on a mission, and then you switched the belts to WrestleMania to a makeshift acting. And then the program after is the rematches. Yes. And there is no men on a mission smoking guns feed. No. <sighs> I'm starting to wonder if maybe the reason they needed a new Pat Patterson later in the year wasn't that he was already, like, just him retiring. I wonder if he's burnt out at this point or not even involved in the booking anymore. Because it's like the opposite of after Patterson was gone three years earlier. Instead of nothing happening on the TV, the shows are over-angled going into Mania with unrelated programs for people on the show. Well, who's... All right, so what's, what's our creative at this time? Vince... Pat, in theory, maybe Shawn Michaels. Yeah, Shawn's involved. Shawn's at least in the production meetings, or at least when he's on commentary, but it, I'm not sure if he's completely on the booking team yet. What about uh, Bruce? I guess so, yeah, but there's JJ? clearly... No, J.J.'s out of the booking for a while by this point. 
JD Strictly Talent Ross. Relations. Ross. Oh, he just got here. Yes. Yep. And he is booking. So there you go. So what is he? What is JR? But this can't just be JR. JR knows better than this. Well, Mid South would do shit like that. But not with completely unrelated programs and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay, give I me an example then. Rock and Roll Express and 30 White Boys had a few for the Miss uh, Tag Titles. Right. Throughout the entire run that DiBiase was in Japan. Mm-hmm. After DiBiase lost Usually Town. Mm-hmm. DiBiase comes back. Him and Doc get the belts and immediately when he comes back. Out of nowhere. Rock and Roll's and Dirty White Boys feud goes on just a little bit longer before it's then switched to Rock and Roll's and DiBiase and Doc on the house shows. Hmm. And then Dirty White Boys are saddled with uh, Bill Watts and, because they tear Terry Daniels' uh, dress blues. And that's that almost, that sla- feels slaughter. More... That, that brings in slaughter for the Superdome and Watts on house shows. That feels more coherent than this, though. Yeah, yeah, but Rock and Roll's and Dirty White Boys are, I mean, they're feuding. And all of a sudden, here comes DiBiase and Doc as the tag champions. I mean, they've been the belts in Houston. I mean, that feels... It is It is more than this. But uh... it's an example of something like that happening. Makeshift tag team. Was DiBiase and Doc had not been the regular tag team before uh, DiBiase left for uh, Japan. They weren't. They t- they had tagged, but they weren't a, a regular team. Then they become a regular team when DiBiase comes back and the champions. Because DiBiase and Hercules was the tag champions before losing the belts back to Rock and Rolls, and then DiBiase um, became North American champion. So he was he was defending that title. Dot was doing his own thing. Then DiBiase loses the North American title, loses loses the town, goes to Japan, blah 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 blah. So. Yeah, I mean, Ross. I mean, this definitely has Ross stuff going on with it. But yeah, it's a weird thing. I mean, you look at all these matches that could be taking place at WrestleMania, but taking place on television, angles, leading this stuff that's on television and not at WrestleMania. I mean, it's weird, 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 weird. All right, staying with the torch. The Teen Spirit gimmick has been scrapped for Chris Candido and Tammy Fitch, real name Tammy Fitch. The latest concept for them is to be a heel fitness freak team yelling at fans for being out of shape. The Body Donnas. A.K.A. Vince doesn't know what words mean. <laughs> so, no no team spirit. Yeah. Um, seeing the Tammy Fitch, real name Tammy Sitch thing here, I still can't <laughs> get over that. Do you know what the origin story of the Tammy Fitch name is? I forgot it, but I, I know there was one. Uh, the Cornette didn't know Tammy's last name. So when Chris said it to him over the phone, he was so thrown by however Chris said it in his indecipherable New Jersey accent that he heard Sitch as Fitch. I, I don't understand that, but that's the explanation. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, uh... Stay well, yeah, I, no, I was just going to say, too, it's, I don't know if there was a legit injury in that matter or what, but it's probably not a good idea to have your, uh, in at least in their, it's not a tryout, I don't even know what you would call it, a gimmick tryout, 
to have your new baby faces beat a heel so badly he does a stretcher job. Yeah. Which is what happened with the uh, Chris Spirit Reno Riggins match. Yeah. So wait, were they supposed to be married or brother and sister? Chris Spirit and Tammy Spirit. Probably brother and sister. Oh, great. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe just just friends. Who happen to have Plutonic, the same last name? Plutonic friends. All right. Greg Kinnear played a clip on his late night NBC show later of Lawrence Taylor talking about WrestleMania. LT said to a critic, if I were to play the part of a gay salesman in a movie, would that change my football accomplishments? Okay. And Greg Kinnear <laughs> goes on to get... Wait, does he win an Oscar? For as good as it gets? I think Greg he does. Kinnear? Yeah. Or does he win a Golden Globe? Greg Kinnear does not win an Oscar. So he was nominated, though, wasn't he? He may have been nominated. Uh, yeah, he was nominated. Okay, that's what I was trying to remember. No, he, he did not, win. Yeah, he, he did win. Wait a second. Google he says he... did not win no Oscar. Uh, okay, yeah, no, it was no, a nomination. He was yeah. nominated. Yes. He, uh, won, uh, he won Daytime Emmy for Talk Soup. <laughs> no, what I was going to say, though, so he comes out of this, and then he plays, what is it, a gay artist in uh, As Good As It Gets? I think so, yeah. Which... Oh, like, okay, how do I put this? I don't watch a lot of the award-winning movies these days. How the fuck did that movie get so many Oscar nominations? Because it's Jack Nicholson. That's literally the only reason. <laughs> I mean, it's not I like, it. it's not like Greg Kinnear or Helen Hunt are bad in the movie. It's just like... It's Jack Nicholson. But they're not, they, uh, well, like, Oscar-caliber performances. Well, they won the awards for actor, Best Actor, Best Actress. Yeah, they did. Lost the Titanic for Best Picture, though. Well. That was the same year? <laughs> yes. Okay, so there, here's the thing, though. Are you, like, again, I'm not saying this to slight Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt did not give a better lead actress performance than uh, Kate Winslet did in Titanic. Helen Hunt was better in, uh, in uh, Twister. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a slight. No, she gives a better performance in Twister. I mean... As good as it gets was okay, but all right, let me see who she was up against that year, other than Kate Winslet. Okay, she was up against Kate Winslet. Judy Dench played uh, Queen Victoria, Mrs. Brown. Julie Christie was in an Afterglow, and Helena Bonham Carter in The Wings of the Dove. Jack, he oh, was up he against. He beat Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting and Robert Duvall in The Damon. Apostle. Peter Fonda and Yulie's Gold, and Dustin Hoffman and Wagon And Dustin Hoffman and Wagon Dog! Jesus Christ! Like... It's Jack. I know, but it's Dustin Hoffman, too. Dustin Hoffman and Wagon the Dog is a fantastic performance. <laughs> but you know what? It's also... It's the it's the 90s Oscars, so he's losing points for it being a comedy. Uh... The other... The other uh, best film nominate, nominees that year were The Full Monty... Goodwill Hunting and L.A. Confidential, and of course Titanic won. So there you go. Okay, twenty-six years ago, Oof. and we close out the World's Federation with this, also from the Torch. Mix's friend Phil Mushnet wrote in the March twenty-fourth hey. New York Post. Reggie White's lofty religious and moral standards, as well as his off-stated commitment to serve kids as a role model, wilts in the face of money. 
White, along with five other NFLers, have accepted a paid position to work Lawrence Taylor's corner during Taylor's WF pay-per-view garbage. Munchnick added, for those scoring at home, WF star Big John Studd, who died last week of liver cancer, was an admitted steroid abuser. Liver disease is commonly suffered by steroid abusers. Eddie Gilbert, for Russell Star steroid abuser, died last month at the age of 33 due to an impaired heart attack. And he also reported about Crush being arrested. A lovely, uplifting column by one Phil Mushner. I mean, uh, I mean whatever. <laughs> yes, Bix's the only one of the few people in the world to be friends with Phil Mushner and Jeremy Devin. I'm not friends with either of them. them. He's going to bring them together for our summit. <laughs> like the Savage Crush Summit? <laughs> yes, the Savage Crush Summit. Which of them is going to lacerate their tongue? <laughs> oh, man. So there you go, folks. All right, let's go to Japan now. And Day Meltzer in Japan. Not as in depth as last week, but still, he's there. And so let's start with all Japan. For, what, I was going to give the caveat too that we've covered the latter part of his week there on a previous show because he's mainly there for the April second Tokyo Dome show, the Weekly Pro yes. uh, Bridge of Dream thirteen promotions deal. Yes. All right. All Japan Pro Wrestling. Stan Hansen, Doctor Steve Williams, goes to the main event for the March twenty fourth show at Cork and Hall. And with Dr. Death suspended, they decided to give the fans something special. So they made the main event, Mitsuru Masawa, Kanakabashi, and Stan Hansen teaming up against Toshiro Kawada, Kiritawa, and Giant Baba and had to do a 60-minute time limit draw using every move in the book. Judging from the photos, this is another classic. Baba was exhausted, even though he's rarely in, and at the 40-minute mark, he had one of the ring boys bring him a sports drink, and he sat down to get some rest and drank it while his partners carried the load. Amazing. I hope they brought a chair out for him. <laughs> like one of those uh, lawn chairs. He's sitting there drinking his drink. That'd be amazing. They also had a singles match with Dan Crawford's Doug Furnace, in which Furnace was put over. Was this a TV Before, taping? No. Okay. This is a uh, this is a commercial videotaping, I think. So a taping for the uh, All Japan Giant Services home videos. Yes. Uh, Kitaro Shiga and Masao Inoue beat Monokia Masman and Ryokoku Zamita. The Eagle and the Lacrosse over Satoru Sako and Shoshu Kikuchi. Mighty Inoue, Haruka Egan and Masafuchi over Rushkamura, Mitsumoto and Yoshinarakawa. Doug Furtis over Dan Crawford. Ju Nakayama over Takao Mori. Johnny Ace over Dan Spivey. That's a <laughs> And Dave said this, it was a 60 minute draw. Meanwhile, Wrestling Data has it as a 30 minute draw. I'm going to trust Dave on this one. He would know. He was there. So, not at the show, but he was in Japan. So, six-minute draw there. Now, Dr. Destiny wins is suspended because right before our week, he shows up in Japan and has to be sent back home, Bix. Tell him why. Um, But the Observer does not have the details yet at this time. No, it's in there, but it doesn't, play, doesn't, doesn't take place during our week. But it comes out after. It, I think it comes out in our week. It comes out in, our, in the week, but the it details doesn't happen. Do. It doesn't happen during our week. Right. Um, so this is the second of the three airport incidents. The first yes. one was... 
This is the only wait. This is the only, and this is the only one that happens in Japan. This is when it gets. This is why he doesn't work all Japan for a while. Yeah, it's because uh, he comes into the country with uh, the devil's lettuce, if you will. The pharmacy. Well, no, 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 no. The the one with the like huge fucking pharmacy is ninety seven. So that's that's the later one then. Okay. Yes, this that's him getting stopped. I think in Laredo. Yeah, this is the, the only airport. Yeah, this is yeah, this is the Narina Nightmare. This is the only one that happens in Japan. Um and he gets stopped with uh, cannabis and because Baba is Baba and he has uh, money and influence, Doc is only gone for a year. Paul McCartney couldn't get in the country for thirty. Something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, this is what gets him gone. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> It's funny, of course, and it's because it's marijuana in Japan. This is actually, I'm pretty sure, in terms of, like, what he had on him, I think this is actually the least consequential, realistically, of the dock airport incidents. Yeah, but it's the most serious in Japan, though. Yes. The actual, worst, the actual worst one is the one two years later where he has, like, dozens and dozens of boxes of painkillers and tranquilizers on him. Yeah. But, uh... Well, he is a doctor. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, yeah, the fans got a treat. And uh, 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 it's a better draw. So there you go. That's how, that's how you take care of your fans in a situation like that happening. All right. Dave's at Okazaki on March the 28th in front of 1,200 fans, only 1,200 fans, in a 6,500-seat building. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Dave's here, so the results uh, are from him. Masao Inoue and Ryukaku Zamita over Katara Shiga Satoru Sako. Yoshinara Gawa and Monica Mossman. Dan Spivey, who rumor has it, is headed to the WF as part of their new generation theme. Pits a Kyle Moore with a DDT in 29. Very stiff, but I seem to want to take any bumps. Three and a quarter stars. Dan Spivey become Way of the Mercy. Mm-hmm. Haruka Egan and Masafuchi Mani in a way over Giant Baba. Rush Kamura missing one mode 1922 of a comedy match. Really bad. The headbutts by Baba are so slow and weak, the entire crowd was laughing. People do laugh at the comedy. They still build the entire match up to the Egan spit spot. It's even worse than they remembered it. Negative one star. Joyless Dave. Yes. Dan Crawford pinned Junakayama and upset by setting him up on the top rope and looking like he's going to give him a back super place, but instead hooks him in like a reverse DDT and flips him over in a reverse suplex for the pin. The Guerrero Special. Crawford was great with smooth transitions and strong mat wrestling. He put on a brilliant performance this match. His knees are pretty banged up. And he doesn't have the speed he used to come off the ropes, three and two quarter stars. His knees are pretty banged up in 1995. He wrestles for another, what, on and off for another six years? Yeah. Akira Tawe paid the Eagle with a show slam in 818. Not a did much. One star. Call the Nadawa Otashi by its Christian name, Dave. <laughs> Toshiko Kawada pinned Johnny Ace in 1907 with a shotgun lair and a power bomb. Excellent match all kinds of near falls. It was really impressive to see these guys work so hard and so stiff and from a small crowd with no TV cameras. Four stars. And then our main event, Mitsuha Masawa, Kitakabashi, and Shushikuchi. Over Stan Hansen, Doug Furness, and the Lacrosse, Jungle Jim Steele in 1559. When Kabashi Ben Steele with a dragon suplex, Lacrosse was there most of the way. But he's approved a lot since he was in WCW. The match was designed to give him a ring experience against top guys, three and a quarter stars. 
And Jim Steele never got, like, great. And I'd love to know what it was that Baba or whoever saw in him to bring him in in the first place in late 94. But he was game, and he absolutely did improve a tremendous amount. Yeah. Him and Bart and my Bart were a good tag team. Yeah. Although I, li- I like them better in New Japan. <laughs> but it too. They were better fit there. Yeah. All right, so there's All Japan. New Japan. Dave was at Tokyo Gym, Metropolitan Gym, on March 27th for 7,000 fans in an 11,000 seat building on Fan Appreciation Night. We saw Yuki Shikawa make Tatsito Takiwa submit with a reverse chicken wing in 956. All Matt wrestling, but it was good. Two stars. Osamu Kido made Tony St. Clair submit to the arm bar in 701. St. Clair now has a better body than Road Warrior Hawk, and he's 47 years old. <laughs> the wonders of having a strict diet. Star on a half. Uh, I think that's a joke because Tony Sinclair, when asked why he suddenly had a great physique, would say, oh, good diet. Like, literally, that's a thing I think John D. Williams used to talk about of him and Dave uh, bumping into Sinclair and him saying that. Or or maybe Dave relaying it to John after uh, seeing Sinclair. Yeah. Grand Hamada and Norianaga beat El Samurai and Tokamichi Sasawa in 8.26. 828, excuse me, when Hamada finishes out with a swinging DDT, two and a half stars. Program. Yes, it was. Future Kinda Kashin. Road Warrior Hawk pinned Masaido at 746 with a clothesline off the top rope. Hawk's offense looked terrible, and you know how his selling is. Half a star. While Pegasus and Shinjiro Otani beat Black Tiger, Eddie Guerrero, and Coach Kanamoto at 1450 when Otani pinned Kanamoto. Unbelievable match. One great move after another. Even Kanamoto didn't hurt the match at all. Four and a half stars. Is he still considered green in the newsletter yeah, circles? I guess so. Yeah. Yes. I mean, ninety-five Just, is the year he really breaks out. So. Yeah, he's not. By, he's now himself. Ninety-six is when he really gets out. In ninety-seven, he's possibly the best wrestler in the world. Yes. Um, Hiroshi Hase and Takuki Yazuka beat Ricky Choshu and Tadao Yasuda in twelve forty. When Hase pinned Yasuda with normal suplex, Choshi was fired up, so it was a very good match with a weak finish. As the finish came with no build-up, three stars. And then Banaba Nakanichi won the Young Lions Tournament, beating Yuji Nagata with a torture record 1407. Nakanichi said to WCW in May, possibly to be Ming's tag partner. Yeah. was really bothered by a bad D. It didn't look good at all. Still, Nagata's improved to the point where he can carry someone to a strong match. Three stars. Current uh, Triple Crown champion, Yuji Nagata. Yeah, and uh, of course, Nakanishi will become Kurosawa. Yes, yes. I, yeah, I just realized something. Why could... <laughs> so they did have a famous Japanese director in New Japan, but when New Japan sent a wrestler on excursion and he got the name of famous Japanese director, it was of a different Japanese director. Yes. All right, um, Hiroshi Tenzan and Hiroshi beat Shion Shimoto and Junji Harada on 11.52. When Tenzan found Harada at their moonsault, Kichibudo, who had been out of action of late, was at Rick's side and made a big deal about Tenzan using the moonsault right in front of Mudo. Tenzan started yelling at Mudo, who simply walked away, and Tenzan said he, not Mudo, should be getting the title shot. Shion Shimoto is very good, but Harada is zilch in the charisma department. Two and three-quarter stars. He definitely had less charisma without the mask. Yes, he did. Um, of course, this leads to the Tenzan Mudo loser stops doing the moonsault match. 
which briefly led to a gimmick where Tenzon would do the moonsault as a heel move behind the ref's back because it was illegal. And that ends up getting dropped without anyone actually saying anything. And he just eventually starts doing the moonsault as a normal move again. Yes. Masiro Chono beat Kinsuke Saka to modify version STF at 2134. This is the best Dave's seen Chono look in a long time. Not a great match, but very good one. This is like all your three and a half stars. Well, it, it's the first time Dave's seeing him live since the heel turn. Yeah. That's probably crowd why. Dis- yeah, crowd was considered disappointment, but the lineup wasn't really nothing special. Heat was down since last time Dave saw New Japan. Overall, well-balanced, enjoyable show. Yeah. Which is crazy, because at this time, the New Japan uh, scene was very heated with the Murder, Inc. Uh, push and everything. Yeah, so but it is fan appreciation night, so stuff's happening kind of outside of the storyline context. And yeah, whatnot. I guess so. I guess so. War. Let's go to the torch to begin with. It's Sumo Hall on March 26th in Tokyo in front of 8,000 fans. War had a tournament to crown a new international junior heavyweight champion. Gato beat Yuji Ashiroka. One, two, three, kid over there, Krakasis. Lionheart, Chris Jericho, beating Masao Rihara. Ultimate Dragon pinned Ultimate Dragon. That's first round matches. That's right, folks. Ultimate Dragon beat Ultimate Dragon. Brett Como as evil Ultimate Dragon. Yes. Yes. Second round saw Gato pinned uh, One, two, three, kid. And Lionheart pinned Ultimate Dragon. And then the finals, Gato pinned Lionheart. In 1931, become the international junior champion. Still recovering from a concussion, Kid's first match went less than five minutes, and his second match just over seven minutes. He was good here, though. He didn't do, you know, a lot in terms of ring time, but he put on a good performance in this tournament. And also, uh, not the only WWF involvement on this card. No, as we continue. Also on the card, Tenyukunichiro beat Yokozuna with Mr. Toyota. That's, uh... Wally Yamaguchi with face paint. Yes. Tenra attempted to slam Yokozuna but failed. Yokozuna did body slam Tenra and then gave a bonsai splash. Almost later, Yokozuna missed the bonsai and Tenra closed on him with Kim Duck stun gun twice and pinned him in 1120. And other bouts on the car Ryuma Go, <laughs> Nobukazu Arai, and Masakurisu, Hiroshi Takura, Osama Tachikari, and the missing link. Yes, Dewey Robertson. Yes, that that's a war six man right there. Yeah. Arashi over Jado. Koiki Gatahara over Death Mask. Do you remember who that is? Um, uh, drawing a blank at the moment. John Layfield doing an Undertaker gimmick. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, That's we right. should also right. know, too, that Dave has a typo and it's Koko Kitahara. K O K O. So I guess that's Koko B Kitahara. Yes. Riki Toshi and Anna Mahamaguchi over Tash Toshi Goto Michi Oshihara. And here are Michi Fuyuki and Masahiro Chono over Shiro Koshinaka and Kengo Kamura. So we have WF and New Japan Town on the same card here with, with uh, War. Yes, which which uh, Dave mentioned and here that it's uh yeah. So he says it, it was a politically ironic show since we two WF wrestlers plus wrestlers New Japan who's affiliated with WCW. That's about as close as a combined WCWF show as anyone's going to see for a long time. Well, except that there's a WWF versus WCW match uh, nine months later, and no one makes a big deal about it. Yeah. Benoit versus Ray Radford at the Stu Hart show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, a good show, though. Definitely one that yeah. used to get traded around a lot because it's a junior tournament with one, two, three kid, and that's interesting. 
And get, Ghetto and does Japan. maybe yes, and Ghetto does maybe the best tornado DDT I've ever seen in the one two three kid match. Almost more like a bat flipping tornado DDT. Yeah. So we're th- uh, we're checking out if it sounds intriguing. And if, if I remember right, the commercial tapes under two hours, so it's a fairly brisk watch. Yeah, but who wants that? I want the full and edited show. I mean, I, I don't think it was that heavily edited, though. Still, I want the full and edited show. Okay. Well, I don't even right, think it was edited, though. I think every match was pretty complete. Just with entrances and stuff cut down, maybe. But anyway. Big Japan Pro Wrestling. They ran on March 22nd at Suzuki Memorial Gym in front of uh, 1280. We have Yoshio Tajiri over at Daisuke Daoi. Kinsopo over Nan Tiran. Okay. Yoshiaki Yasu over Hanson. Okay. Iceman, Ricky Santana over Nightmare Danny Davis. Okay. Dunk Tani over Yuichi Tanaguchi. Crypt the Keeper and Shoji Nakamaki went to a double countout. What a match this is. Larry Maddox's boy, Ron Powers, and Tony Norris, the future Ahmed Johnson, defeated Takashi Okano and Seiji Yamakawa. And then no row bars were deathmatch. Kendo Nagasaki over Esau Takagi. I have so many questions. Because <laughs> actually, yeah, wait a second. Um, yeah, yeah. We so something that Dave doesn't even mention here. I just remembered. Uh, Battle Angel Arashi versus Jado is the debut of Takagi as the new Arashi, replacing yeah. uh, Daikokubo Benke. Yeah. So we have him on March 26th at Sumo Hall as New Arashi, and the, but four days earlier, he's in the main event of a Big Japan show in a barbed wire match against Kendo Nagasaki as Sao Takagi. And this is the two, three, four, the fifth Big Japan show ever. This is the first tour. Yeah, they started on the 16th. Yeah. Okay, I'm pulling All up right, Cage uh, Match to see if there's any identities. All right, Iceman... Okay, Iceman. It was Mike Davis. To, according to cage matches, Mike Davis. Wrestling it's, data had it as Danny Davis. So, given uh, who's booked on this show, Mike Davis makes more sense. Dunk Tani uh, was Ben K. Okay. Of course, the keeper was uh, Jose Estrada Jr. And nothing about Hansan. Nope. Or the or Koreans. The, yeah. Koreans. So, and now, Ron Powers before, is uh, Brody Powers in some promotions at this point. Larry Mass's boy, yeah, yeah. Now, one thing of note though on this show, on this tour was uh, the night before in the main event at a food market, Ron Powers and Tony Norris had a bar- no rope barbed wire death match against Ken Nakasaki and Takashi Okano. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, there's that. All right, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. And this uh, also is the tour closer, too, the show we had here. Yeah. Asushi Onita announced a drive-time radio show every morning on a Yokohama station, along with doing a weekly afternoon health segment on a national television show. <laughs> it's Onita in the morning! Also, Tajiri just works IWA for the rest of the year, and then goes back to Big Japan after. News and traffic on the sevens with Onita <laughs> in the morning. 
in the Jado cho- chopper with the Jado rocket. <laughs> oh, that'd be something. Listen, no need to do uh, do Zucra radio. <laughs> Constantly throwing water all over himself and damaging the equipment. <laughs> yes. Um, honking a horn, stuff like that. Doing impressions, prank phone calls. Doing his Baba impression. Yeah. Probably calling Anokia up at home, challenging it to a match. Just try. I, I, uh, I wish this there wasn't a language barrier here because I'm just imagining like <laughs> Onita in like his promo voice doing prank calls, asking if someone's making Whoopi right now. <laughs> I don't. It just, hey, hey, hey. I, I I wish we knew more about this though. Well, the health segment too. Well, that's he, a, no, that's maybe he's giving the TV show. Oh, okay. like, this is radio. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, Anita in the morning. All right. Uh, Chibaku and Jim on March twenty second for thirty two ninety nine. Why don't I just say thirty three hundred? Uh, Tetsuya Kuroda <laughs> with Gashaku Gashikawara, Ray Pandita and Choden Senshi Battle Ranger Z. Over Damiase Sese and Makayato. Hisakazu Oya over Koji Nakagawa. Christian Mayo Damari, Shashashuya, and Bad Nurse Nakamura over Megumi Kudo, Combat Toyota, and Yukari Ashikura. Tarzan Goto and Riki Fuji of Mizuru Masanaga and Nido in 2559. Why not just go 26 minutes? <laughs> well, that's yeah. different. I mean, it's still, it's one set more second. And then the No Rose Barbar Street Fight Deathmatch. Asusha Nita, Mr. Gonsuke, Kastoshi Niyama, Masato Tanaka, defeated Mr. Pogo, the Gladiator Mike Awesome, Yuki Hirokanamura, and Hideki Osaka. Hmm. So there you go. Basically an FNW house show, but still, drawing uh, almost 3,300 fans. Yeah, well, Onita's almost at his uh, retirement. Yeah. So there is that. Now let's go to the promotion that just celebrated its 30th anniversary. Michinoku Pro Wrestling. They're in the Izumi Marine Center in Sendai on March 24th on a 471. Wellington Wilkins Jr. over Nahashikawa. Yoni Genjin over Masaru Yakushuji. Takabichinoku over Shuichi Fanaki. Super Delphin and Grand Aniwa over Shiru and Hanzo Nakajima. Terry Boy and Sato, Teo and Togo over Taliswan Jr. and Leon Guerrero. And Grace Sasuke over Stevie J. Stevie not the guy, J. Not the guy from Love and Hip Hop on VH1 in 2141. Who is this person? It's Stevie J. Is he an indie worker I should be aware of? Is he? <laughs> I'm checking. It's Stevie J. Yeah. And by the way, people should check out uh, the article that Caselo did at VoicesOfWrestling.com about the 30th anniversary of uh, of Mishinoku Pro. Yeah. Goes over some of the basic history and some of the key matches uh, that people should watch, inclu- including what he and Alan Forel and Rich Krejci and others, including myself and I think you, perhaps as well, agree is the best Mishinoka Pro match, the uh, December 16th, 96 uh, 10-man tag from Hakata Starlands. What's better than the These Days match? Yes. Uh, Steve J is, is Steve Johnson from England, so it's a UK guy. Where are you looking at wrestling data? Because nothing on yeah. cage match. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, they're starting a relationship with uh, Brian Dixon around this time, I guess. Yeah. So. 
That's who that is. All right, uh, Wing. They're new to open up on March 25th in Tokyo before 400 fans at the Tokyo Theater. And this is doing... uh, second Wing, right? I guess. And this will be doing a they'll be doing second tour probably early May. Yeah. Promoter is Mickey Ibaragi of the original Wing promotion that folded last year. There you go. Ibaragi's idea is to run each W type shows. Each is on cable in Tokyo. So Tokyo fans are familiar with the guy's gimmicks. Hamamatsu is far from Tokyo, but somehow fans seem to know what to expect. Overall, this wasn't a good show. Ibaraki wasn't at all unhappy at this point with a small crowd. So figuring it'd be that way on the next tour and in May, as well as before the group begins to gain a following. All right, results of this show. Orito over WNCito Guerrero. Mickey Segura over Virus. That's a hell of a match on paper. Air Winger went to a no contest with Oriental, which led to Air Winger beating Oriental on the restart. And Air Winger is winner. Yeah. J.T. Smith over Real Miyake. Sure. The Sandman over Jason. Then Public Enemy won a street fight over the Pitbulls. And in a casket death match, Jason the Terrell beat Gravedigger. The irony just hit me of the Pitbulls being able to get into Japan a week that Dr. Death was stopped at Customs. Yeah. But here's the... uh, Quite a few ECW talent on this show. Yeah. So there you go. What what cable channel were they airing on? I don't know. Because in this era, you hear about them being, you know, featured in Weekly Pro with the big stories on the ECW Arena shows. I don't remember hearing that they were actually on TV in Japan. Because I don't think they're on Goora or anything like that. No, I don't know. So... Anyway, we won't go from wing to some real indie sleeves. West Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes. They're in the Okuchi Sports Center in Kagoshima on March 22nd in front of 396 fans. We have Kenichi Kawasaki over Kirino Saizo. Hopper King and Mitsunobu Kikazawa over Poisonous Gas Mask and The Fly. <laughs> Demonio Dos and Demonio Uno <laughs> over, went to a no contest with Black Hole and Mitsutero Takuda. Crusher Takahashi over uh, Kenichi Kawasaki doing double duty. Kuicho Kimura over Fumio Akiyama. And Goro Shirumi, Hiroshi Samada, and Ryumago over Hiroshi Hatanaka, Masaru Toi, and Shigeo Kimura. You made a minute. You know, there's a joke if I was Robert O'Connor that it would make about one of the names on this show. Um, that I won't. Poisonous gas mask? No, one of the ones in the next match. Oh, the the black hole? <laughs> you can tell where this is going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's West Japan. A rarity on this show, but there you go. Now let's go to AJW. All Japan Women's and Joe. And Dave Meltzer uh, glowing. Oh, okay, I see your Joe. Yes. <laughs> Just okay, I, I got you. Yeah. All right, uh, Manami Toyota ended a two-plus-year reign of Aja Kong as the Triple W Women's Champion in the main event of the March 26th Shokan Arena show. The show's an experiment by the company to see what their draw potential is on their own. From the heyday of the Crush Guy House to early 1993, with the exception of something special like the retirement of Goose Nagayo, All Japan Women had run its biggest shows of the year in the 4900-seat Yokama Bucket Gym. Open up relations with the other offices that had women's wrestling, JP, LPW, FNW. They created the first Dream Slam in 1993, 
in the same building and sold it out. When the second Yokohama Marina show in March 94 came just shy of capacity, the upper limit of women's wrestling went from 16,500 all the way to 42,500 in November to Tokyo Dome. Which you can't fit that many people. I mean, that's a little more than what you can fit in the dome with the big stage. So I think we eventually got the real numbers being what? More like 25, 26,000, I think. Of course. Which is still a good number, obviously. But However, there are many inherent problems working with, with other organizations that want their people to win as many as they lose when the caliber of their wrestlers is nowhere close to the same level. After the Dome show, Australian women decided to limit their promotional events, and that, combined with the decision not to use the group's biggest drawing card, Akira Hokuto, until the Tokyo Dome, made it something of a iffy proposition around such a large arena. The group was disappointed with a crowd of about 9,000, and the crowd heat, while strong toward the end, the show was weak overall considering the quality of the work. The crowd had been hurt by war running a big show at Sumo Hall, which drew... That's, that's why Dave's not at war, Bix. He's at this show. No, okay. War, war running a show at Sumo Hall, which drew 7,500 head-to-head. This is me and the hardcore fans that attend women's big shows only went to Sumo Hall. The cash registers at the souvenir stand ring were per cast. It must have been astounding. That's while Dave was there. It seemed like every fan buying something was spending $80 to with me as top of $200 souvenir purchases. The Matt, the 1995 version of Matt Cardona showing up at the uh, Japan Women's Show, I assume. <laughs> From start to finish, shows even better than the Tokyo Dome of one week later, which we talked about on a previous episode between the sheets, because he didn't have any week matches. All right. Let's go down the card. Rie Tomato over Kimiko Mikawa in your opener in 1037 with a spinning crossbody block. The work was good, but very little crowd reaction, two and a quarter stars. Chaprita Sari won the Japanese junior title from Kendo Kutsu at JWP in 1533. Wait, wait, I thought we're done with interpromotional matches. Well, they were doing near falls from the start and then went several minutes of trade submissions. Asari, who's really tiny, has a few unbelievable moves, but isn't that good of a worker overall, whereas Okutsu, who's only 19, is the best younger wrestlers in any of the companies. Okutsu got shaken up legit as she came on the top rope, and Asari was supposed to get her knees up, but got her feet up instead. Okusa got going and even did a plancha, but, could, could, but you could see the win was not that of her. It was her hurting the climax during the match. Asara was supposed to do a twisting plancha off top rope, but lost her balance. Recovering did a hookado flip plancha. Asara won with her twisted moonsault, which is probably the hottest acrobatic move in the business right now. Three stars. He doesn't know the name of the Sky Twister Press yet? I guess not. All right, next. Noriko Tsunoda. Shoot boxing went to a draw with Karo Ito after five rounds of a shoot boxing match. This match is clearly legit. Well, well, it's all Japan women, but go ahead. Shoot boxing is a combination of boxing, kicking knees, and throws wearing light gloves, but there's no fighting on the ground. Ito had the advantage when it came to throws, but Tsunoda punches had more zip to them. So now after the match remark, that pro wrestling must be tough because she hit Ito with five punches that would knock down most of her opponents, and Ito never went down. Fans booed the decision, thinking Tsunoda should have won. I had Dave had very close because Ito was more aggressive, even though Tsunoda threw strong punches, and Ito took her down several times using wrestling throws. So do you think they uh, changed the finish here? Or what do you think? I mean, okay, so a few things here. I mean... <laughs> Hasn't Dave called the Medusa Aja Kong match a shoot when it very obviously um, isn't? I don't think he did. 
Am I thinking of someone else then? Because I, I just I don't buy all these claims that these are shoots. Like this one involves a non-pro wrestler, so maybe. But here's the thing, though, Chris. If this is a shoot, it's terrible booking to put on this card when you have a worked match billed as UFC rules later in the card. <laughs> yeah. So for that reason, I'm guessing this is a work. Yeah. I think so. Even without seeing it. Like, I've seen the big matches on this card. I haven't seen the undercard. I think so. But you know how Dave and him get tricked? Yes. Shoot boxing, basically the same ideas. Sand shoe, Draka, all of your uh, kickboxing with takedowns varieties. Jack Warrior Code and Lady Apache being Rinko Yoshida and Felina. Vladi Bolokot and Lucha Libre Rules Tag Matches 1758. Yokota and Yoshida were great, but the Mexican women worked too slow, and Felina missed a lot of her spots. It wound up with Apache pinning Felina, and immediately Yoshida pinned Apache, leaving the two Japanese in against each other. There were about two minutes of great near falls and a lot of heat before Yokota won with his cross arm German suplex, two and three quarter stars. <sighs> I don't know if it's the retirement rule still being in effect or what. It is interesting how even though Yakota is active and she is... Which promotion is she with at this point? Uh, or is she just a freelancer? I think she just freelances. It It's interesting that with her still wrestling and honestly still being quite good at this point, that they just use her as a mid-card wrestler when she's doing interpromotional stuff. Yeah. I wonder how much of that, though, is also the push of Toyota is kind of like the new Jaguar, though, too. Yeah. All right, next. Escomina Mimishimoto. No! Retain <laughs> the UWA tag titles beating Tomoko Watanabe and Suzuka Minami in 1901 when Mita pin Minami after a Death Valley driver. Excellent match returns near falls. After the match, Minami announced she would be retiring soon. Four and a quarter stars. Well, it is LCO in 95. It's better than LCO later. Sakashigawa over Bison Kimura with a rolling savant kick at 10.05. Bison laid the chops in early. They brought in the stands with one point Kimura and Baron Hasegawa in the chairs. Hasegawa missed a plunge off the top road, clashing into the floor, which is a planned spot. Hasegawa did three Yuranagi suplexes for near falls, while Kimura went back to doing her chops for near falls before Hasegawa hit the perfect kick and got the pin three and a half stars. And this is the uh, implosion of the Jungle Jack stable, right? Yes. Toshi Yamada pin, uh, won the triangle match over Takako Inouye and Reggie Bennett doing the vacant on Pacific title. Rules were the first person to pin both opponents would win the title. Bennett lost coin flip, so Inouye has Yamada first. Inouye pinned Yamada first when 9-15 with flying to the back of the head. Bennett then came into one power move after another and made Inouye submit to Reggie Rack in 209. Bennett faced Yamada, which had great heat, and when Reggie put her in the Reggie Rack, but Yamada elbowed her way out and scored a cradle in 4-1. This put Yamada in a way with the winner getting the title. The heat was awesome here. Anyway, got an Achilles tendon hold on the aisle. and held for several minutes. Also selling by Yamada. Yamada made a comeback, used a Goria Special, but anyway, reversed it back into an Achilles heel hold. But Yamada made the ropes. Finally, Yamada hit the Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex. And 5-18 to win the match and the title. Four and a half stars. I'm very curious to see this. Also, because uh friend of the show, Charles, from PWO and Wrestling Playlist and stuff, he, I think it was him that had suggested to me recently, maybe watching more Reggie Bennett, basically saying, like, 
she was really good. She just doesn't come across as good as she is in this promotion because the standard is so high. This sounds like a really interesting yeah. and good match, though. Yeah. Next, Yumiko Hota knocked out Linus Asuka, 22-3. And what was Bill's ultimate fight rules match? This was the stiffest, most brutal women's match Day's ever seen, although it was clearly a work. They both did spots right out of USC shows. The tapes are so big, and everyone registers such as doing takedowns and throwing the punches straight down. The only difference was when they hooked submissions. There was no rope breaks, but they could get a break by tumble to the floor. They did a lot of submissions and fall to the floor. Hoda wound up with a fat lip and bloody nose. Oscar's bandaged up in the face after the match as well. They did several nine-count knockdowns with them struggling to beat the count before Hota and Linda with a kick to the jaw for a knockout. Four and three-quarter stars. I have not watched this match in a long time. I'm pulling it up on Daily Motion just to have in the background. <sighs> I had seen some Japanese women's wrestling before I got this match. Uh, and I knew what the reputation was. But holy shit, what a match this is. Yeah, I mean... At the time, it was about as hard-hitting of a women's match you'll ever see. I didn't mean to start the music, but it wouldn't let the controls come up until I unmuted it for some reason. Um, you know, it's not actually UFC rules. They're just using that as, like, a flourish to have them wear gloves and do some shoot-type spots. But, yeah. you know, especially in this version of All Japan Women, where Toyota's the top star... And you have a lot of the go 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 style. It really stood out in this nice way, you know. And it's how do I put this? These days, I think it's pretty clear that a lot of the things that turn off fans that might otherwise be inclined to watch Joshi stuff is that there's a lot more, at least either the perception of or whatever jesus christ i mean you can tell she's working but she's just oscar's just soccer kicking hoda in the back towards the back of the head oh yeah um now that i think about it i remember now this is that is the big spot i remember jumping out at me when i first watched this too um like she is working though you can tell she is not actually kicking her in the brain stem full force or anything like that but it looks it looks solid um but I think a lot of what turns people off these days is that not every promotion, but that there's in some circles, there's less of like the hard hitting Joshi stuff. And that also the presentation is different because, you, you know, there's more of like the, you know, I, I guess Tokyo Joshi Pro would be the best example with this, like the frilly princess like imagery. Yeah. That I think to some people, and I've heard, you know, I've heard this from men and women, that they f uh, they'd rather see more of like a hard hitting Joshi, and they're not always getting it. Well, it still exists certainly, but it's not always what's up front when you're being told to watch that kind of stuff. Yeah, Stardom's gonna be interesting to see. Now there'll be more eyes watching it. Yeah, and they're also, you know, credit to Bushy Road, because they know from New Japan's popularity with women, they've made an effort to try to tone down the stuff that could turn off women, and that could make the promotion come off kind of creepy, like, 
saw that come up, you know, after the comments that, uh, did you see this, that Kevin Kelly and uh, El Fantasmo made on New Japan commentary the other day? Yeah. So, you know, they, you know, the fans are not being encouraged to give the wrestler gifts anymore, all that stuff, so we'll see. Hopefully we can get more women going to stardom and to the Joshi promotions in general. You know, it's... <sighs> Things look bright for that scene for the first time in a long time. Like, there's actually room to grow yeah. after quite the long stretch of the Dark Ages after Gaia and All Japan Women closed. Well, Nakano retained the WF Women's title pin in Kyoko Inoue in 1707. Get another awesome match. Dave can believe the difference in Nakano as she was so stiff, and in WF, where she worked so light, it was almost embarrassing. Nakano's first clothesline was like a Kawada shotgun there, and that set the tone for the old bull Nakano being back as opposed to the Nakano work at Tokyo Dome. She even did a great tope. All kinds of great stuff start to finish before Nakano used somersault ledge off the top row for the pin. Four and a half stars. Tremendous match. Before the main event, Akira Hokuto was brought for an interview. Nakano came back out and said something to affect the Hokuto to quit talking about retirement. Hokuto Tokyo Dome at the end of the show said she wasn't sure she was going to come back to wrestle in Japan. And Nakano said they could both pretend to be something they aren't, but deep down they are both pro wrestlers. Nakano said she considered retiring as well, but realized she's a wrestler and then cut a promo on Hokuto for their match in North Korea. And interesting that that comes up here because, you know, for whatever reason, uh, Bull versus Hokuto is the only other match that New Japan has on New Japan World from the North Korea shows. And despite the reputation from the wrestlers who are on the tour that Flair and Oki is the only match that really gets a reaction, um, that's not true, because Bull and Hokuto actually get that North Korea crowd that's never seen pro wrestling before into their match pretty big. And then the main event. Manami Shioto of Aja Kong in 2021 to win the Triple WA title. This wasn't as good as their dome match because it was a total story. And Kong reversing remove. Toyota tried on her. Kong took the entire first half of the match reversing every Toyota spot. Toyota made a few short-lived comebacks. Toyota did a truck out the top rope to the floor. She didn't set up Kong on the table and went to the top rope to splash off the top rope to the table to the floor. But Kong got her knees up. Kong did powerbomb Toyota through the table. Kong dominated again until she came off the top rope and Toyota got her feet up. At this point, they traded big moves to Toyota doing reverse Frank and Toyota for near fall. The match had huge heat, by far the best of the show. Toyota finally won with the Ocean Cyclone suplex off the top rope. After the match, Toyota issued a challenge to Hokuto, saying even though she holds the world title now, that she has to beat Hokuto to be considered a real world champion. Hokuto grabbed the mic, and the challenge after the challenge, she didn't really give an answer. Four and a half stars. I feel like I must have seen this, although I know that I saw the other two matches I've seen on this show on compilations. But I'm not sure if I have. Um... That said, not being as good as the Dome match does not really say much with how good the Dome match is. It can still be a great match. Yeah. The Dome match is probably on the short list of greatest women's matches of all time, and maybe even best Japanese matches of all time. So, no shame in not being as good as that. No. Not at all. Sega, Dave, uh, the Yokohama Arena show. Uh, that's if you want to listen to Dave... Uh... Talk about the Yokohama, no, the Tokyo Dome show. Um, if we did, I've, I, I'm looking at my records here. We have not done that week. We haven't done Bridger Dream and WrestleMania. I thought no. we did. 
No, we have not done that. Are we you yet. sure? I could have sworn we did that. I could have sworn we'd done it too. I don't have it on my list. Let me look and see. I could be something I forgot to uh, put on the list, which has ha I caught one of them the other day. I, I forgot to do. Let's see. I'm looking right now. There might be a few, I mean, there were a few very early episodes missing on the archive on the website, but... Alright, 95... We've done a lot of 95 shows. Yeah. Uh... No, we've never done it. Why did... Why were we both convinced we've done it? I know, right? Huh. That's weird. Yeah, it is. We did April 19th to the 25th. So we haven't done either of the two weeks before. Or almost three no. weeks before. Huh. No. Oh, well. Well, there's something maybe for next year, then. <laughs> All right, let's go to the other side of North America now. We'll start with Canada. Canadian Rocky Mountain Wrestling. They ran a show at Victoria Community Club in Calgary on March 24th. We had Bad News Allen and Johnny Smith. Beating Rick Titan and Super Congo, Lance Storm over Champagne Jerry Morrow, Black Bart over Steve Gillespie, Steve Wild over Eric Freeze, Steve Rivers over Jason Helton, and Johnny Coltrane over Fernando Valentino. Johnny Coltrane, but Coltrane is spelled C O U L T R A I N. <laughs> Not like the uh, legendary jazz performer. John no. Coltrane. Um, are we to assume Black Bart here is not Rick Harris? Oh, yes. I think you ask me every time we have Black Bart in Canada. Okay. <laughs> it's not him, no. I mean, but it's a place where the other Black Bart would be... Well, the other Black Bart, where Ricky Harris would be known about. But never were there. Yeah, and this is the later days of the Canadian Rocky Mountain wrestling, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, I don't think they're bringing... I don't think they're bringing Rick Harris up there. <laughs> also, how about the fact that... Uh, Lance went from Smoky Mountain back to Canadian Rocky Mountain. Mm-hmm. Well, he loved his mountains. All right. So let's go to Mexico now. Triple R. They got a lot going on there. They ran big shows in Monterey on the March 26th and Laredo on March 27th. Headlined by Conan the Vianos against Pedro Aguayo and Dinamitas. The first night, everyone turned on Conan. The next, they all turned on Pedro. Similar went head to head with them both nights. In Monterey, both groups ran loaded shows. Triple H on a sell at about 5,500. Similar drew about 3,000. In Laredo, Triple A drew about 3,000. Well, Similar drew about 350. So let's go to um, the AAA TV taping in Monterey on March 26th for 5,500 fans. We have the Power Raiders. One, two, three, four, and five. Over Los Diabolicos, Anel Matal, Marabunta, Mr. Condor, and uh, Deluvios Negros 1 and 2. And um, it's noted here that the original listing for this had Los Destructores in there. But they weren't part of this. It was the Diabolicos, which is basically your uh, your your second version of Los Destructores in a way, I guess. <laughs> Can't get the originals. Might as well just get the get Diabolicos, I guess. I mean, they played a similar role. I always felt like the Diabolicos were more. The Diabolicos were, I think, the better like bases for the Young Flyers, 
and uh, Destructores were better for, like, your brawling storytelling matches. Not that they were bad bases, but they weren't the, like, human spheres that were those uh, Diabolicos. And I mean that as the biggest compliment that can possibly be. Yes. Rey Mysterio Jr. Supercalou and winners, the future Abismo Negro, defeated Juventus Guerrero, Carlos Fogarty Jr., and Pedro Silva. I mean, a three-way uh, Caballero, Cocha Caballero, Cocha Caballero match where uh, Pipinella Escalada pinned uh, Vaquero Romo and then pinned Mayflowers, who got shaved. So uh, there's that. Then we have Blue Panther, Heavy Metal, Terry Estrada, and Misterioso defeating La Parca, Latin Lover, Octagon, and Volador in a four-star match where Jerry fouled La Parca. Octagon fouled, fouled Jerry, and the referee saw that one. DQ. Then we have Los Hermanos Dinamita, San Carlos, Mascajan Dos Mil, Universal Dos Mil, and Paraguayo, beating Conan Nivianos, 3, 4, and 5 by disqualification, two-star batch. Viano fought a Dinamita for the DQ, it says. Don't say which ones. And everyone attacked Conan after the match, but Pero made the save. Pero challenged Cien to a match and refused to shake Conan's hand, which leads us to the next night. Domo, Le- Domo de la Feria de Leon on March 27th. 3,000. We have the Centurions, 1 and 2, over Aguila de Acero and Kamikaze. Mascarilla Sagrada, Ninjito, and Otoconcito over Expertrito 1, Expertrito 2, and Fesita Carrera. The Power Raiders, all five of them, defeated uh, Diabol- the Diabolicos and Heavy Metal, who went to Carrera. There's a, a match right there. Then we had the Vianos, 3, 4, and 5, over the Dinamitas by disqualification, three stars. Where uh, the Vianos got, got their mask pulled for the DQ. Blue Pasta, Fazagrada, Janestrada, and Psychosis. Then beat the Parca, El Ninja, Octagon, and Remus Stewart Jr. in a three and three quarter star match where Terry Strada pinned La Parca Park, to uh, set up their uh, future title match, which we'll get into in just a second. And then uh, Laredo on the 27th. Agla de Acero, Slayer, and, and an unknown a partner defeated Angel Matal, Maravilta, Mr. Condor, Diabolicos. Doing double duty. Working Leon and the Wave of Laredo. That's interesting. Because <laughs> they're not necessarily that close to each other. But I don't know. May, there, may be some, there may be a wrong date here somewhere. So I was curious about that. But anyway... Um, Calvary Jr., Mayflowers, Pedro Silva over Vicaro Ramos, Vicaro Winners. Yeah, the Santo Aldegan, Rey Mysterio Jr., Volador. Defeated Fazagreda, Junta Guerrero, Mysterio Zacosis by disqualification. And Conan Vianos defeated the Dinamitas of Paraguayo by disqualification. I'm thinking that Leon show could be a different date. Because a lot of people work in both these shows. And it ain't that feasible. <laughs> it's, I mean, by car, it's over 900 kilometers. It's it's an 11-hour drive. Yeah, so, so, so there's a... I'm, the Leon show definitely has to be the wrong result, because they're on the Northern Tour, so... Anyway. Alright, so, Jerry Estrada won the Nash, Mexican National Heavyweight, Heavyweight title from La Parca on, on March 25th in Matamoros. Uh, the title change was for disciplinary purposes, as Labarco was being punished for shooting two weeks earlier in the match with Aida. Masoterantes played strong referee, counting slow when the Parca had a near fall and counting fast when Estrada did. Terantes gave Parca a fast count in the first fall. Third fall, when Parca went for Tofe, Terantes pulled up the ropes, causing the trip on the way out and injured him. 
Estrada took over, but when he missed a senton at the top and Parker covered him, Tornantes refused to count. Finally, Estrada got a submission to win the title. In the main event of that show, featured Yoda Santo, Rebus Stewart Jr., Paraguayo, and Octagon against Sagosis, Blue Panthers, Guerrero, and Scorpio Jr. In the third fall, a fancy and ring with a Santo mask on, ran out of stands to attack Santo, ripped off his own mask, revealing Santo Negro. He then ripped off Santo's mask as well. All right, full results of this show. Mascarita Sagrada and Ninjita over the Espetritos, one and two. Agla de Acero, Supercolor winners over the Diabolicos. The Power Raiders, all five of them, over Heavy Matal, the Guerrero, Call of Guardian Jr., Pedro Silva, and Pacudo. Then Estrada over Varka in the Mexican Heavyweight title match. And then the main event, Santo, Otagon, Pedro, and Ray Jr. over Blue Panther, Sicosa, Scorpio Jr., Shua Guerrero. A lot going on, Bix. It's just a shame. Espanto Jr. gets the gig of a lifetime, you know, from Santo, who is his friend and, you know, who had been his best opponent previously. The rest of the family takes issue with the Santo Negro gimmick. And I don't think they legally put a stop to it. It was they made hay in the media, right? Yeah. Because Santito owns the gimmick outright. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is dropped very quickly, comes back as Pentagon, and then fairly soon into the Pentagon run, he overdoses and literally dies in the ring and is brought back to life. And yes. that's the end of his career. Yes. <sighs> I, th- I don't think people can grasp like if you haven't if you haven't seen the santo espanto jr matches they're online they should be easy to find i mean that guy was as good a worker as any of santo's other top rivals in his career pretty much yeah and this was going to be his big shot and everything goes wrong yeah it sucks it turned out that way for the guy because yeah he was a great talent yeah um far as other stuff on here... Oh, not mentioned here, but uh, Estrada Parka feud is a continuation of the feud that started when Worlds Collide. Yeah. With the Parka Technico turn. Um, ninja here is Mario Segura or a different ninja? It's the same one. Okay. So wait, he is the father of... I mean, they're in the northern part, so yes, it is him. Okay, so wait, so he is the father of Ninja Jr., who is not one of the WWE Garzas, right? Um, yeah, yeah, because they were, or is he? Oh, no, 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 it's the WWE Garzas are Ultimo Ninja and Iho Del Ninja. That is correct. Uh, Angel is Iho Del Ninja, Ultimo Ninja is Umberto. Yes. Um, was there anything else here I wanted to bring up? Yeah, you're right. That that ten man with the Power Raiders against Diabolicos and Heavy Metal and Hoovy is interesting because you don't normally see those guys thrown in that mix. You know, where yeah. it's like the showcase Green Flyers against the Rudo bases. So I'm kind of curious how. So I'm guessing the stuff with the star ratings aired on TV. The other stuff didn't. Um, it's what was seen. 
I guess. Aired on American because TV or was acquired. Then. You got yeah, you got to remember AAA TV stuff. At, uh, you know, in this area, there's a lot of it all over the place. Because there's one Galavision show at this point, I think, but they still have the Los Angeles show. Uh, they have local shows in Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's where Roy uh, got stuff. You know, re- in recent years, that would never have been seen here. But they were still like AAA branded, not shows booking AAA talent. Yes. Okay. Yes, they were Interesting. AAA, AAA branded TV tapings. I don't think I realized that. That's on his YouTube. Yeah, uh, off of uh, XEJTV. Okay. What market is that? Oh yeah. Huh? XEJ, you said. XEJ, yeah. What city is it? Um. Juarez. Uh, Juarez. Okay. So they had a separate Juarez TV show. They had in the Sarah. Okay. CMLO, CMLO had stuff on there too. Interesting. Okay. Huh. Yeah, he's got all kind of stuff that ne- that like Bahari never seen before. Okay, so I just realized something, by the way, as we scroll back through this. If, um, if uh, Diabolicos are on the Northern Tour, but it was originally listed on the Northern Tour as Destructores, then the double booking is probably Destructores on the one that's not the Northern Tour, right? Well, there's, there, there, there's, let's see. On those, on both those shows, you got uh, the the Vianos, the Dinamitas. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. There's there's a lot of there's a lot on both shows. So right, so the one that's not the Northern Tour presumably is actually Destructores and not Diabolicos. No, that that just didn't take place on that day. Oh, oh, you think it's just a completely wrong date? Yes. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So, all right. But, there are issues with the economy, but it's still it's still that version well, of AAA. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's about to change. About to change. Speaking of promotions that are about to change. In the other direction, CMLL. March 24th in Mexico. So, the Brazos. We got a tournament going on here. Trios tournament. Brazos over Los Guerreros. Damiano Guerrero, Guerrero de Vitorio, and Guerrero Maya. And Paulo Dantes, Atlantis, and Arredesco Jr. over the Cadaver de Vultratumbo, Hispetro Jr. and Quejos. Bestia Savaje, Amido Chavez Jr., Sangre Chicano over Dr. Biden Jr., Io de Gladiador, and Gran Marcus Jr., La Nueva Ola Blanca. Dos Caras, Adandi, and Otto Garza over MS1, Perato Morgan, and Satanico by disqualification. Then we got the Brazos over Paulo Dantes, Atlantis, and Rayo de Esco Jr., Bestia, Emilio, and Sangre Chicano over Dos Caras, Adani, Garza. And then Bestia, Emilio, and Sangre Chicano over the Brazos to win the tournament. And then the Tuesday, Rita Coliseo show, the 28th, which drew a thousand fans. Saladia Boloca, Lady Star, and Maria del Angel over Santa Moreno, Patero Sarraña, and Zahori. Zahori. Fierito, Felinito, and Ocho Tambita over Siconcito Ramirez, Mascarita Magica, and Ocho Dragoncito. Ultra, T- Ultra, but Ultra Tumbita, Fatal Low Blow from Mahika for DQ, build their mass match next week. America Dos went to a draw with Olympus. Alcana de la Muerte, Fadino Hakamate over Blue Demon Jr., Katakan Lee and Pantera. And the Mono Negro Mochoco Tempero over Dos Caras, Adandi, and Silver King. So, yeah, they're not there yet, but they're, they will be changing as time goes on here. But, you know, not a bad crew. No. It's, it's, Garza heating up and the feud with Satanico is what really turns things around. 
Yeah. All right, Monterrey, the Cibonoso in Monterrey, which went against the AAA show. We have Ilda Huracan Ramirez, Regio, and Nuevo Huracan Ramirez Jr. Oh, for fuck's sake. Over Belo David, <laughs> Bella Guerrero, and Rosa Blanca. Sanguinario, Rene Guajardo Jr., and Sangre Chicano over Beto Garza Jr., La Fiera, and Valente Fernandez. Satanico retained a similar middleweight title over Eta Garza. And then Elantis, Kinect, and Vampiro Canadiense over Dr. Wendell Jr., Emilio Chavez Jr., and Perol. You love your Brazilians way too much, Rene Guajardo. <laughs> I said Rene. No, Rene. You, you, I'm pretty sure you said Rene Guajardo. No, I did not. I said Rene. Okay. I'll concede that one. Um, so F-I-L-L, because this is CML and F-I-L-L. F-I-L-L was technically Elo- what? Elizondo. Okay. So when yeah, is Elizondo out of the picture? 2000s. So wait, so is this Coliseo or Solardot? That's not Solardot. That would have been AAA more than likely. This is Coliseo. Possibly Plaza de Toros. I was gonna, so I was just going to say, when, when does Plaza de Toros Monumental stop getting run? 2000s. Late 2000s. Okay. Early 2010s. So it keeps being run, it's just not a regular stop for the local weekly promotions or anything like that until... Or, excuse me, past a certain point. Yeah. And Tijuana, AAA run a show there on March 23rd. We have uh, only a main event. Conan, Remistero Jr., and Tigre Canadiense, Canadian Tiger Mountain Zansky, went against the team of Sakosa Scorpio Jr., and a mystery opponent because Eddie Guerrero's was be part of this match. But he went to Japan instead. <laughs> well, you should understand why. Yeah. Um, that seems like a thing that you should have known and not advertised. Yeah. I mean, these days, Conan has a bunch of people that he shouldn't have used and thus shouldn't have advertised. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway. More things change, more they stay the same. All right. Uh, that's it for the first half of the show's halftime. So, there's some great 1995 commercials. Fifth at halftime, seven of the show, where we'll begin talking about our Patreon. We'll hit some plugs and then we'll come back. Where we'll go back to America, to the indie scene, where we have uh, quite a list of independent shows here in the Northeast to talk about. John Arezzi trying to become a player in pay-per-view. A big uh, match in Michigan. Smoky Mountain Clips. And Marcus Dupree in Memphis. All that more after the break. Babe Ruth has done it again. How does he do it? Maybe it was a baby Ruth. The caramel, the nougat, the peanut-packed power. What a blast! Baby Ruth from Nestle. This baby gets you going. Son of a gun protector. Nothing works better on your car's leather, vinyl, and rubber. It can turn just about anything into a great-looking car. What, this pile of junk? Give it the gun with some of a gun. And now give your tires a quick kick with one-step tire care. He looks like your average, ordinary, everyday mutt. But this dog wears a badge. Man, that dog is some kind of hero, you know that? Yeah, so I've been told. And together with his new partner... 
giving law enforcement a whole new look. Chuck Norris. Sit. Top dog. Good dog. Good Jake. Ready PG-13. Starts Friday, April 28th. Bye, Miss Thompson. Oh, you forgot your... Babies? Butterfinger babies! Unbelievable snackable balls of crispy, crunchy, peanut buttery... There you are. Butterfinger. Nobody better lay a finger on my Butterfinger babies. Just spray it on? Just spray it on. Quicksilver wheel cleaner from Armorall. Just spray it on. And then just spray it off. That's it? That's it. Quicksilver wheel cleaner. Son of a gun protected. Nothing works better on your car's leather, vinyl, and rubber. It can turn just about anything into a great-looking car. Nice car. What, this pile of junk? Give it the gun with Son of a Gun. And now give your tires a quick kick with one-step tire care. And action. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? Again, please. Again? Again. Art thou bored? Yeah. Step into a Slim Jim. <laughs> Turn to the spice. <laughs> that baby juicy taste. Step into a Slim Jim! Alright, back. I've enjoyed all those great 1995 commercials as we pivot to the halftime segment of the show. Where we'll begin talking about our Patreon, patreon.com slash twin sheets. And yes, we do have the new Patreon show completed now as uh, we're recording this. As we discussed uh, Mike Tyson's Road to WrestleMania 25 years ago. And uh, quite the show where we start with uh, the end of 97, where he's first mentioned on Raw as, being, as uh, possibly going into negotiations with WF. And then we go 19, January 98, where he's at the Royal Rumble, Raw the next night, with the big angle there with Austin, all the media coverage surrounding all that. Then going into February, where we have the uh, press conference in New York and all the media covers coming out of that, which conveniently takes place right after Mike Tyson and Don King got into a physical altercation in Los Angeles over uh, Mike Tyson basically telling Don King to uh, go to hell. And uh, thanks to Shane McMahon, which will have stuff about that as well, why that happened. And then we have uh, the plans what were the actual plans of austin and tyson and michaels we had different stories on that and then we go to wrestlemania where we'll uh, talk about the big angle we'll have the post uh, show press conference where tyson and austin talk about the angle itself how they planned it all out well tyson planned it all out austin sit, sitting there looking at him like what are you talking about and uh, well, no, you should be more clear what you're talking about. That what Tyson says, and it's unclear if Austin knows he's going to say this, is that the storyline is that he and Austin plans working together from the beginning, and that 
he never really joined DX. Which was that the the actual story or not? Because it only aired one time on day of television. It was on the Saturday Morning Live Wire show after Mania. Yeah. So we'll talk about that and we'll talk about you know, all kinds of other stuff that was involving Mike Tyson at the time and uh, WCW's interest in Mike Tyson and why that didn't happen possibly in a WCW way. So uh, all that more on patreon.com slash training sheets, $5 a month gets you access to that. We'll see all the other shows that we have done and are almost seven years of the Patreon. So um, everybody definitely go check that out. You uh, will also find out what we're going to do next month, which is uh, quite the interesting show or shows coming up on patreon.com slash training sheets. So, yeah, should be uh, should be a good time. So everybody um, that's part of it, tell people that's not part of it that they should be part of it because there's a lot of great information on these shows, the shows we've done already and the shows we're going to be doing this year. So everybody go check that out. Dollar Monk gets you access to the Discord and thanks in this segment, which we'll do in just a second. $25 unless you send in for a segment. Well, not send in for a segment, unless you pick a show for the week. Now... We have two shows. We'll have two shows in mind, just in case a show that you may want us to do could be something that we've already done, or it could be something that somebody else has picked on the calendar. And if you have any questions about that, give one of us, and we can get it straightened out for you, because we want you to have your show. So uh, follow the protocol on the Patreon website on how to do all that. Of course, uh, thirty-day rules in effect. Get that in thirty days before your show you want to do. Ten-year rules in effect. Wednesday, Tuesday on the timeline, all that, and you should be good to go. So, yeah, make sure that you you get with us on the questions you might have and let us know why you want to do the show as well so we can uh, get it planned out. $50, I should send for a segment of the show and 100 for the whole show if you choose. So, patreon.com slash between the sheets. Now, real quick, before we get into our new and uh, returning patrons, we have uh, we lost one of our patrons over the last week. Um, Matt Man, Kid Zombie, who um, some of the very early podcasts I ever did was was uh, on his show that he had on Blog Talk Radio, uh, Rubber Guard Radio. This was in 2010. I was doing his show and um, known him for a long time. Always a fan. Always a uh, you know devoted listener to the show, a supporter, patron, longtime patron. Uh, may have been a patron from the beginning or near the beginning, but a longtime patron. Yeah, I'm going to check and, that right uh, now. Actually, I didn't think about that. But yeah, he's 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 always been a, a really uh, a good dude, a good supporter of wrestling. You know, um, especially the, the California scene. Definitely has a. Uh, you know, promoted, you know, the, the, the local scene out there and really supported all the talent. And, uh, yeah, just, just a, a good dude that uh, passed away way too young. Uh, he had posted on Facebook three hours before his death was announced. He was in the hospital with a picture of himself, you know, like if I was going to the operating room or something like that. He was in the hospital. And uh, then it came out that he died. It's like, wow. You know, it's like, it's just crazy. So, um, so yeah, we definitely want to, um, 
send our regards to the family and friends of uh, Matt Mann. And uh, yeah, he, he will be missed. Absolutely. Yeah. So I did just check. Um, he, yeah, it looks like he was a continuous patron since a couple months in December 18th, 2016. Yeah. So. Yeah, always, uh, always a supporter. And yeah, I mean, I wish some of those old shows were up. I mean, the websites up that he he hosted his shows on, but the audio is not available to listen to anymore. I tried. So, is all of the all the old blog talk stuff did not get moved over to Spreaker when it turned into that? I guess. I guess. Ugh. But um, but yeah, twenty ten. So thirteen years ago, I was doing audio with him. So. Yeah, it's a early some of the earliest audio I did. So yeah, it just sucks. It sucks when you lose one of your own, um, especially at a young age. So uh like I said, best regards to his family. And uh and yeah. Sad. All right, so who are our new and or returning patrons this week? All right. Um uh, I don't remember if we had these two last week. Uh, Vinny Rodriguez. Thanks, Vinny. Chris Powell. It's Chris. I think actually now that they say it out loud, I feel like we had it last week. But whatever. Well, it, whatever. Uh, Rich Malton. Thanks, Rich. Making his return. And uh, past and future guest, J.D. Oliva. Yeah, thanks, J.D. Yeah, we need to get J.D. back on in the future. J.D.'s a good dude, and uh, yeah, he been around a long time so uh yeah thank you jd for being uh being one of our patrons at patreon.com slash between the sheets all right iwtv and uh bix they had uh they had a sad uh passing of their own and their family over the last week so uh talk about that and whatever else is going on iwtv this week yeah i mean that I- guess we'll talk about the other sudden death too with when we get the fight as well um sean patrick o'brien who was a referee for icw no holds barred and paradigm and various iwtv promotions that i can't think of off the top of my head uh passed away suddenly on i think it was friday night because the word was going around in the crowd at gcw um, and just, uh, I don't know if you would call it a freak thing. What I heard was apparently adult onset peanut allergy that he did not know about. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something that's terrible. I mean, okay. Does it say how much, I mean, what did, does it, what, did it say, um, has anybody said how much he ate or whatever that, that caused I mean, this? Or? If it's a peanut allergy, you didn't even necessarily need to eat anything. Because my brother, who um, passed away last year, um, years ago, he was in Florida on vacation. He never had any allergies with shrimp. Ate shrimp all the time. And then he's in Florida on vacation. He eats some shrimp and basically has to go to the hospital. He's having an attack. Yeah. They, and they told him, they told him, said, listen, you can't have shrimp anymore. <laughs> and he just, he developed an, an allergy to shrimp. And I had my own little separate deal a few years ago. I, 
I used to eat Cheetos like crazy. And then one day I'm eating Cheetos and my mouth immediately starts puffing. Like I, like I got punched in the face. And I went to the drugstore and got some Benadryl and talked to the pharmacist. And he was like, yeah, you that sounds like a food allergy. So I was like, well, shit. So I've never eaten Cheetos since then because I don't want to risk that. But yeah, I mean, it's just some of this stuff can just happen all of a sudden and not even know it. Yeah, I feel like shellfish is the one you hear about most with adults, that they just suddenly develop the allergy. And it's very serious. But this shows, I guess, it can happen with any of the bad allergens, you know? And I don't know what the Cheetos, I don't know what in Cheetos got me. <laughs> but it's the only food allergy I've ever had or that I know of. I mean, because I've never gotten sick of anything else like that. I was going to say, all of a sudden my mouth was like, or something I, like that. I'm going to guess it would be a coloring or something if nothing else was affecting you. The, like du that. the Cheeto dust? I guess. I don't know. But it's crazy because I had just eat Cheetos the week before. Yeah, that's bizarre. Very um, bizarre. Same bag. Not a different bag. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, you just suddenly developed the allergy, then. It's insane. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, like, you know, neither of us knew Sean, but we have a lot of mutual friends, you and I both. Yes. Yeah, and... he was very, very, very um, well regarded and beloved by the IWTV uh, people and people that are affiliated with IWTV. It's a lot, of, a lot of people put tweeting and posting stuff about him. Yeah, you know, everyone just having wonderful things to say about him as both a person and as a referee. Um, so, you know, all the best going out to his family and friends on that too. Just terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Too young. Too young. That's another thing, too. Another death far too young. Yeah, and um, I'm assuming ICW will be doing stuff at the shows, you know. You know, next weekend as we're recording this, this uh, coming weekend as he listened to this, which, you know, that's what we're about to talk about, because those are the two biggest shows on IWTV this weekend. Um, they're doing ICW No Holds Barred Volume 45. Oh, wait, I was looking at the wrong order, I think. Yeah, because IWTV doesn't have a real presence at WrestleMania this year, WrestleMania weekend. No, they're not doing their own hub or anything. And you know what? <laughs> not don't blame. <laughs> no. I really no. don't. Um, because, I mean, that, that scene got too bloated. I mean, way too bloated. It still is. <laughs> it still is, but it got me way too bloated. Where people... I mean, they were running shows, and it, it, there was tens of people, if that, there, and it, it just wild times of the day, and it's like, is it worth it? You know, I mean, I, I get it, I understand, but is it really worth it? And, you know, talent, good Lord, talent's working five, six shows a day, some of them, basically, it seemed like. I mean, so, people has multiple slots where he's working, like, time slots where he's working on two different shows. So, I get it, I understand, I don't blame anybody for, for running Mania Weekend like that, but my question is, was it, is it really worth it? So, I, the IWTV crew decided to, uh, you know, not do it this year, and we'll see how that works out for them. Yeah, and, you know, with the Ukrainian Cultural Center, the home of the collective, you know, not allowing a lot of the deathmats accoutrements. They do allow some. They're good, 
they're good with. They're okay with barbed wire and some other things, but not glass. So there's not some big deathmatch presence at the GCW shows. Yeah, yeah, I can understand allows... the. I can understand the Ukrainian center at this time not wanting to have that type of stuff going on. Oh, I mean, I don't know if it's related to that, but sure. But still. Yeah, so anyway. You know? um, so yeah, ICW has two shows this coming weekend. Uh, volumes 45, 40, excuse me, 44 and 45. 44 will be on Friday. Uh, the 31st at 8 Eastern from the H2O Wrestling Center in Williamstown, New Jersey, with a very interesting and on paper uh, headline match Lufisto versus Mickey Knuckles. Yeah, that's a blast in the past because I used to, uh, when I did indie stuff back in the late 2000s, they were feuding back then. <laughs> so, yeah, this is something that's just has been brought back. Yeah, and Lufisto's still great. Mickey's probably as good as she's ever been. So, that's an interesting one on paper. I mean, also, I don't know if she was soliciting them or anything. Kind of interesting that Lufisto's not in L.A. She decided to stay up there instead, I guess. Yeah. And then also they're running on the Saturday, the 1st. Oh, yeah, so opposite WrestleMania. Well, why not? (laughs) <laughs> yeah well remember uh 2020 beyond was gonna do a show you know when mania was still uh one night they were gonna do like this invite only show in uh that ran opposite mania which i thought yeah. was a clever idea to do to be in the mania city knowing that there are a fairly decent number of fans who are in town for the non-wwe shows and really don't care that much about Mania, why not put a show on? Yeah. Not necessarily a break-the-budget show, but a show. You know, like, you know, when I went to New Orleans, you know, I only went to Mania because it was in a dome, and it was like, okay, I don't want to do an outdoor stadium Mania again. Let me do at least one dome Mania while I'm already in town and I have the chance. And I have no desire to do that again, but, like, if I went on another Mania Week trip, I would certainly consider going to a Sunday show. Or, you know what I mean. Yeah, Sunday show, because I'm guessing some others may still run Saturday. But you know what I mean. But anyway, uh, the Saturday ICW show includes, as uh, I guess, the two main matches. Lou Fisto versus Casey Kirk. And for his American Deathmatch Championship, Brandon Kirk defending against Hoodfoot. So... That's IDBTV. If you're not already a subscriber, go to Impact. I don't know why I just. My mouth broke there. Uh, go to independentwrestling.tv. Use code BTSPOD, and we'll get a referral fee for each month you stay a paid subscriber. So that's independentwrestling.tv, code BTSPOD. And. Now, yeah, now we go to some. Now we go to a streaming service that has a heavy mania presence. <laughs> yes. And I mean, you know, this is going to be GCW heavy. Because um, there are only a couple, like, non GCW shows at the Collective this year. Um, but I guess we should get ahead of the other stuff then. And hold on, I'm going to look it up because I don't want to leave out his last name. I, just, I don't want to just use his nickname under the circumstances. Uh. Give me one second, because I feel I did not know him, but you know, uh, 
Okay, Mike, uh, how do you pronounce it? Rizek or Risk? But better known to fans as Piss Jug Mike at GCW shows. Um, passed away in the last few days as well. I don't know if I heard a cause of death or anything, but just... Cancer. Oh, oh! I didn't realize he was sick. That's what Car- like that's what Cardona Cardona tweeted out that he had cancer. I don't think I don't think people knew it. Okay, yeah, because he had yeah. been shows recently. Yeah, I don't think people knew that he had it. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know if the jug he carried around was actually urine. It probably wasn't. That's that's not sanitary. No, I think it was a gimmick. I don't know. Probably I don't apple know exactly. juice. Maybe it was something. Yeah. Um. But, like Dean Martin wasn't really drinking, wasn't drinking alcohol all the time. It was apple juice. So it probably was apple juice or something like that. Look like piss. But yeah, he was definitely a well liked member of the GCW fan base, and uh, you know, was one of the guys who would travel around to a bunch of the different shows. So just a shitty week as far as that stuff. Yeah, man, people dying too soon. Sad. As real life goes. Um, so as far as the collective, yeah, it's. I believe, yeah, it's everything at the collective is going to be on five plus. So yes, yes, there are you know there are other media week shows that are going to be on fight that are not part of fight plus. Um, should I get ahead of those first, real quick? I mean, because the referral code is good for anything on fight; it's not just for five plus. Um, so, the, I mean, the main one is a uh, multiverse of matches. The uh, New Japan versus Impact show, which is going to be okay. Actually, I need to check: is Voices of Wrestling doing this in Eastern Time or Pacific Time? <laughs> uh, it doesn't say. Great, hold on. Let me find one. Well, I know. Okay, no, it is, okay. It, it is. It is Pacific Time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I will need it to make sure. Um, so that'll be on, what day is that? Is that the Thursday? Oh, I wish it was easier to scroll through this. Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah, so Thursday night. And, okay, yes, okay, they have the fight in bed on here. Good, thank you, Voices of Wrestling. Um, so yeah, 11 Eastern on Thursday. That's a $25 iPay-per-view. Multiverse of matches. Sorry, I scrolled down too far. For a show that with the updated lineup after Will Ospreay's injury includes Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Speedball Mike Bailey, Josh Alexander defending the Impact title against Kushida, um, former NFL football player who shall not be named versus Jeff Cobb, uh, X Division title match, uh, Trey Miguel defending against Frankie Kazarian, Rich Swan, Kevin Knight, Clark Connors, and Rocky Romero, Kenta defending the strong open weight title against Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Bullet Club of Ace Austin, Chris Bay, defending the Impact Tag Titles against Aussie Open, TMDK, and Motor City Machine Guns. And uh, let's see, well, a uh, six-man tag of uh, Alec... Uh, no, excuse me, eight-man tag. Fred Ross or Alex Coughlin is all-caps Callahan, Sammy Callahan? Is that what he's doing now? I guess. And PCO against Eddie Edwards, Joe Hendry, Tom Lawler, and J.R. Kratos... Uh, Mickey James defending the Knockouts title against Deanna Perrazzo, Giselle, Giselle Shaw, and Miyu Yamashita, and uh, also Yuya Uemura versus Gabriel Kidd. Hell of a show on paper. Speedball Tanahashi is going to be interesting, I think. I'm, I am curious what that looks like, because that's, that's a very different match from what it's replacing, you know, with Osprey. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I believe the other major like pay-per-view is Tokyo Joshi Pro, and these are both at high spots at uh, WrestleCon's thing at the Globe Theater. But I'm not going to go over the whole lineup for that. And I think that's the only other one of those that's on iPay-Per-View on Fight. And, you know, also for outside of the U.S.-Canada, wink-wink, more on that in a minute, um, of course, our OH uh, Supercard of Honor will be on Fight. Now, as for the collective, as I search for the word Ukrainian, so starting at... Should I just get Pacific time from here on so I don't break my brain trying to figure it out? <laughs> Whatever. Oh, I can do math. What am I talking about? 2 p.m. Eastern on um, on Thursday, Santino Brothers Wrestling has a show from The Collective. Uh, mostly they're graduates, but include some other people. But, you know, among notable matches, Kid Bandit versus Eli Everfly. Josh Barnett's Bloodsport will be 7 Eastern with the... Uh, Hell of a card on paper. Kota Bushi versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Alice Coughlin versus Yuya Uemura. Marina Shafir versus Keller Kelly. Eric Hammer versus Calvin Tankman. David Boy Smith Jr. returning to Bloodsport against J.R. Kratos. John Moxley versus TBA right now, since Davey Richards did what he... Uh, well, what's the best way to phrase this? Davey Richards retired. Um... Royce Isaacs versus John Hennigan, is Johnny, Johnny Bloodsport, Josh Barnett versus Tim Thatcher, Teacher versus Student, and Jeff Cobb versus Bad Dude Tito. How many of the Bloodsport shows have you seen, anyway? From, from start to finish? Well, I'll put it this is way. He... How much Bloodsport have you seen? A little. Very little. But little. I'm guessing you've seen the, sec- the second one that was on IWTV. Or where, where they put it on. I mean, I saw, I saw cl- I've seen clips. I don't think I've really watched... Maybe one or two complete matches. I think you would like it. I mean, they were always well, fun. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't like it, but I have preferences of what I watch these days. I know, <laughs> and usually at most two two blood sports shows a year is what I'm saying. Yeah, so I think it's a lot to keep up with. You don't know. You don't know how much I got. I got to go through. <laughs> I and I just know. keep and I just keep adding to it. But I got I I, I got uh. Shit. Uh, hundreds of New Japan discs, though. I have not watched yet from the 90s. <laughs> that And that's just news. That's not counting everything else. Oh, you're talking about, like, the DVDs that have the commercial tapes and the handhelds and the... Everything. TVs? I got all this shit that, I, that I've been going through plowing. I'm just not finishing 91. <laughs> Someone needs to make a chronological, like, New Japan collection of all the different sources for different years, <laughs> by the way. Like, you're... Well, like, uh, be, I mean, it could be done, but I don't think people want... They're going to be gonna be careful, you know, because... Oh, no, uh, I mean, yeah, I know, YouTube and TVSI. TVSI, yeah, I mean, that's why... I, I would I would be posting clips on Twitter of, of, of stuff that should be up there, but I ain't risking that. No, sir. I think the people who have been posting stuff only from the Valis tapes have been doing okay. Since TVSI, you can't, I don't, in theory, I don't be see, able to do anything. I don't see much any New Japan on on Twitter anymore, period. But, but yeah. they're going after people for pictures, much less Oh, screenshots videos. and stuff, it's ridiculous. Like, I'm relieved that I did not get a takedown when I had the Liger with the pandemic mask av- avatar. 
you know. Um, yeah, well, I was, I mean, I was lucky that they didn't come after me for the few clips I put up a while back uh, from my phone, where I put the, did the phone to the TV instead of trying to upload it right. as a, a regular thing. So they didn't go after me then, but still, I, I was playing with fire. But yeah. yeah, I just got so much to watch that, you know, that's just my preference. That's my priority right now is right. to do all that. Yes, but I think you would enjoy Bloodsport. Like, well, I'm pretty sure I would. <laughs> I mean, because it can be like so weird and interesting within the. And, and I've seen, here. like I said, I've seen clips. I just have not sat down to watch an entire show, yeah. or really sat down and watch a lot of complete matches. Well, five plus is only uh, seven dollars a month or seventy a year. So. Anyway, uh, speaking of people who have great relationships with New Japan, Kota Ibushi. But yes, I mean, going that, to Janela. Well, we'll get to that in a minute or two. But yeah, him and Speedball is definitely a hell of a match on paper. But again, looks like a good show, period. Curious who the replacement opponent for Moxley is, too. Uh, let's see what else we have here. DDT Goes Hollywood at uh, 11 Eastern. On the Thursday, for a show that includes uh, Kanosuke Takeshita versus Yuki Ueno. I'm not going to read... Oh, wait, yeah, I should read some of these. Uh, Shunma Katsumata and Mao versus Chris Brooks and Yoshihiko. Yes, the doll. Uh, Tetsuya Endo versus Joey Janela. Saki Akai versus Vert Vixen. Junakiyama and Eddie Kingston against Daisuke Sasaki and Kanan. Uh, Fer- pheromones against Sinchiro Takagi and Michael Nakazawa, and uh, Kazu Sada Higuchi, and Takeshi Masada against Andrew Everett and Nick Wayne. Hmm. Interesting mix there. Mostly, I mean, you know, it's genuine DDT talent for the most part. You know, some of their foreigners mixed in, like Joey, but it's a genuine DDT show. Um, oh, and we should mention too, uh, Lenny Leonard's doing commentary on Bloodsport. Well, that's awesome. Always great to hear that Lenny's out there working. Yeah. Um, I I would have to ask Prezak if he's doing blood sport. I'm not sure. I mean, but for, like, the mainline GCW shows, and I'm presuming also the DDT show, I believe he's doing commentary on those. Um, so, yeah, that's DDT Goes Hollywood. So now we... Oh, yeah, wait, we're still on Thursday night, so... Thursday, well, Thursday night, Pacific time. So, 2.59 a.m. Thursday night, uh, Friday morning, GCW for the culture, with the main event of Two Cold Scorpio versus Brian Keith on a show that also includes Leo Rush versus Trisha Dora. And what else do we have here? I don't know who some of these people are. You know, they always spotlight some lesser-known black wrestlers on these shows. These have always been kind of some of the sleeper shows of Mania Weekend and, you know, the Chicago, you know, weekends, too, the last few years. So, always a good show to check out. And I don't know what else do we have here. Friday at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, Jimmy Lloyd's G-Generation F of younger wrestlers includes uh, Titus Alexander versus Cole Radrick, uh... Was this four-way tag? Looks like of Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne against uh, Baliana Key and May, my what is it? May or my Shuruka. Uh Wasted Youth and uh, the team of Joe Lando and Danny Black, plus other uh, friends of Jimmy Lloyd and younger GCW talent and the like. Oh, Starboy Charlie versus Alec Price as well, among other things. 
DDT versus GCW is at 6 p.m. Eastern uh, for a show that mixes everyone up and, of course, includes Bussy versus Pheromones. Which, oh, well, did you see that it was like DDT announced they're not posting Pheromones matches to YouTube anymore because of content violations? No. Uh, Cole Radrick will be facing Yoshihiko, Tony Deppin, and Homicide versus Junakiyama, Tetsuya Endo, and more. I'm trying to run through these quicker now. Uh, spring Break at 11 Eastern on the Friday has uh, Io Delphi Kingo versus Speedball Mike Bailey, Motor City Machine Guns defending the tag titles against uh, Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver, Kotobushi versus Joe Janela, uh, Maki Ito and Nick Gage teaming up, and more. And when I say and more, it's, I don't think they've advertised anything else yet. They're doing emo fight again in the, you know, 11.50 at 9 p.m. local time, uh, 2.59 Eastern slot, with uh, Leo Rush, Jimmy Jacobs advertised so far, among other things. Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern, they've got the Big Gay Brunch with, uh, what do we have here? Kid Bandit versus Sawyer Wreck. Fred Rosser will be wrestling against Karam and more. Gringo Loco's got the world on Lucha 2 at uh, midnight uh, local time. I uh, know, excuse me, midnight Eastern, 9 local time. Io Del Vikingo versus Laredo Kid. Negro Casas versus Tony Deppin. Uh, Gringo Loco, Psycho Clown. Macizos versus Familia de, Familia de Tijuana and more. Uh, Josh Burnett's cast wrestling seminar is not a live stream. And then on Sunday, I. I think it's at noon local time, 3 Eastern, is uh, India Hall of Fame. Which, who's announced so far? Chris Daniels, Julia Melissa, Mike Modest, Jimmy Jacobs, and Excalibur, I believe. Yes, which is great that Michael Modest is getting in because he should be in every indie wrestling Hall of Fame. Uh, yes. Morgan should be too? Yeah, Modest. Uh, Modest is the bigger deal. He should go in sooner, yes. And Modest and Daniels going in together is perfect. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm curious why Jimmy this year, since it seems like they're going for California flavor. Otherwise, and uh, also curious who the sixth inductee will be if they do what they did last year. But looking forward to that. You know, last year's uh, first induction ceremony was a very nice event in in person and just in general. So, Tom Howard. Oh. Wait, you're suggesting Tom Howard, or he's been, or he's been an? I'm just throwing it out there because it's in California. Why not? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and I really. Although oh, Cage right. Man should be confused because uh, they have uh, Todd Champion uh, working as uh, Tom Howard gimmicks in their match results. Why? They have Todd Champion working as KGB in Mexico and Japan. So that's just someone who knew what they were talking about and saw someone with a blonde flat top and a tan. I guess so. Yeah. Uh-huh. I noticed that today. <laughs> and, oh, wait, now I realize why I forgot that the why I didn't see the Indie Hall of Fame at first. It's because it's not going to be the Ukrainian Cultural Center. It's going to be a WrestleCon at the hotel at the Millennium uh, Biltmore. And uh, the inductors are Kazarian for Daniels, Prazak for Melissa, Alex Shelley for Jimmy Jacobs, no one announced for Modest yet. And I don't think anyone announced Rex Calibre yet. So, who who would you pick for those? Because I feel like the for the three announced, those are pretty much exactly who you would want to induct them. Modest Morgan should be the one to do. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, he trained Morgan, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, For Excalibur, I would guess either Dragon or Ron Rivera, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Dragon want to do it, though. Does he, like, ever talk in gimmick? Um... I don't know. I mean, he really doesn't do a lot of anything anymore in public, so... Yeah, I'm just trying to think who else... I mean, I guess I'm just trying to think out, you know, think out loud. I, I mean, you could do Marty DeRosa or someone like that because he did, you know, Super Show with Excalibur every year for several years. Um, I would think you'd want to go with, you know, one of the other SoCal people, though. So, you know, maybe Ron yeah. Rivera, maybe I don't know. If, I don't know. If friend of the show Taro or anyone like that would make as much sense, but I'm guessing it's someone in the old Rev Pro mix. Is who it'll be. Awesome. So yes, that's main awesome. weekend on fight. If you're not already, uh, oh, and they're doing a, uh, they're doing some movie premiere too that Medusa's in, I think, or something. I forget what it is. That's on fight as well. Uh, <laughs> but, yes. I mean, but, but real, real quick though, uh, before we finish the main well, weekend thing, I didn't thing. plug the, I didn't put it, give the link or the URL yet. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It's in the show description too, but uh, tinyurl.com slash BTS fight. So that's BTS F I T E. And uh, that's our referral link for Fight. So uh, that was an exhausting number of shows, but what were you going to say? There's another one that's not part of anything that we're involved with, but our friends are involved. That's WrestleCon Super Show. Yes. Marquez oh, Memorial. And uh, they got quite the card. Uh, Michael Oku against Rocky Romero. Rhea Orus, Aramis, and Galena Demal against Aries, Latigo, and Toxin. Josh Alexander and Tom Lawler against Kenta and Brian Keith. No, not the actor. Negro Casas against um, Ultimo Dragon. Quite the match. Jeff Cobb and Aussie Open against Kushida, Saban, and Shelley. Time Machine. Tokyo Joshi Pro with a Tim Woman match. Speedball Mike Bailey against Shigeru Ri. And then their main event for the Triple A Mega Championship Triple Threat match. Yodo Vikingo, who uh, became a big name this week uh, over here, in a way, defending against Black Taurus and Commander, which Commander had his AEW uh, match a few weeks ago. And Taurus hasn't been on there yet. So there you go. That's well, going to be quite the show on High Spots TV. So that will yes. be streaming on, on their deal. Yes, it will be streaming live on High Spots TV, which thir- Thursday, March 30th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern. Yes, and uh, no referral code, but those are our friends. And No, but they're friends. They're, yeah. they're our friends. Yes, and so. uh, I mean, on paper? And were you seeing that whole card on the WrestleCon Twitter or something? Because that's not all on phone voices. Okay, yes, I see it. The updated card. Um, and I guess maybe they're not going to do the usual surprises and it'll be like a comedy match. I don't know, but... They don't normally announce, what is this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They don't normally announce eight matches in advance for Super shows. so I don't know if they're going to do the usual surprises anything or anything, but on paper, um, this could easily be the best show they have ever put on during Mania Weekend. Yeah, With a lot of talent. Shows. A lot of yeah. talent on that show. I mean, it's, uh, it's a hell of a, a group. Of people on that show, so yeah, yeah. What a day Speedball's gonna have to do on Thursday. <laughs> within a few hours, yeah. Within a few hours, he is wrestling. Uh, 
Kotobushi, Hiroshi, uh, Koto, well, Kotobushi, Shikiro Yuri, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, Kingston in New York a few years ago had uh, Masato Tanaka and Shinjiro Otani a few hours apart. Yeah. So, Jesus, that is a hell of a show on paper. And yes, just so everyone understands, it's highspots.tv is the one that has the live stream. The High Spots yes. Wrestling Network on Pivot Chair does not have the live stream. High Spots Now does not have the live stream. Highspots.tv is the one that has the live streams. Why High Spots has three separate streaming services, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them, and, and High Spots Wrestling Network's not even on Roku anymore, so yeah. Yeah. There's that. They, that was like a money saving thing from what I know about Pivot Share, but. I mean, it still exists. They're still putting stuff, up, new stuff, up on it, and uh, it does still yeah. have the whole archive and everything. So it's still a great deal. Uh, but you get the idea. So that's me new weekend. All right. Let's oh. talk about something else now. What? Yes. It, perhaps, maybe, hypothetically, there is a show that is restricted on certain platforms from being viewed in certain countries during. Media week in Mania weekend. Chris, can we help? Today's episode of Between the Sheets is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet providers are storing your browsing data, many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access can help. Private Internet Access encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data for your internet service provider or network administrator. And with service number 75 different countries, you can get understated access to geoblock content from around the world. Private Internet Access comes with easy-to-use apps and browser extensions for all devices. A rock-solid privacy policy, open-source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PC Mac. If you sign Private Internet Access right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for Between the Sheets listeners. Which we have three packages we offer to you guys. We have the regular monthly package of $11.95 a month. Yearly package three dollars thirty three cents a month or thirty nine ninety five a year, or the best deal three years plus four free months at a dollar ninety eight a month, seventy nine dollars for the first three years and yearly thereafter, eighty three percent off, the best damn deal in the market. Why is that? Because that's so much more expensive than virtually every other private virtual private network on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take advantage of private internet access thirty day risk free challenge. Try it for thirty days, see if you like it. If not. Just return for a full refund. So you get that you ass? Well, you go to privateinternetaccess.com slash between the sheets and try out the best damn VPN on the planet completely risk-free. All right, next week on Between the Sheets, show number 399. Yes, so uh, we're almost at 400. And we're going back to 1988 for a shorter show. But we have the King Keysport Bo James joining us, so we should uh, have a good show as uh, we have the debut of the NWMA event TV show on TBS to talk about. And that's about that format there. We got some house shows. We got uh, Lex Luger and Barry Windham on TV for the first time as the NWA World Tag Champions to talk about. So we got that. We got a couple of interesting shows in all Japan. Plus, uh, the debut, well, not debut, really, but the announcement of the reformation of the Universal Wrestling Federation in Japan, Kira Maeda. 
And we also have the uh War Memorial Show during our week, which has an all Japan flair to it. We got a big show in all Japan women to talk about. We got a couple of interesting shows in Calgary to talk about. We got all sorts of indie stuff, including FNN Score, now airing Memphis Wrestling. We'll talk about that. And we'll have clips from Memphis Television involving uh, Brother Ernest and Eddie Marlin, the big angle, Kurt Henning and Jerry Lawler setting up their big world title match in May. So we'll have news on that. We got an update on World Class. They're working group with some states that we talk about, AWA news. And then in the WF, we'll talk about the uh, business of WrestleMania 4. And what could have been done better? Plus, there's some house shows in Europe. And Andre and Giant Hacksaw Jim Duggan are getting ready for their big angle. So all that more next week on Between the Sheets, show number 399. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Zelnar, Show property at BT Sheets Pod, Bix at David Bix. And Bix, what's going on in your world this week? Other than getting a, a new place to live. Um, Not well, actually, wait. Had we talked about the Davy Richards stuff? Or had that even broken by the time we recorded last week? It wasn't talked about. It was going on as we were recording. And what? you you didn't want to... We we knew about it. Um, well, was it Thursday it or Friday that we recorded? Uh, we recorded on Friday. Okay, so it was we, walled the... We knew what was going on before it got out to the public. But we, we were not going to go on the air... I don't need to think about that. No. So okay, so we recorded before it had gone public. It was before yes. even Sean reported stuff. Okay. Yes. So that would yes. have been Thursday then, not Friday, I think. Well, whatever. I know we recorded. Some, it I was before anything was out there. Yeah. So I mean, yes. I, obviously, I don't want to get too depressing with all this or anything. But yeah, I mean, you know, did some did some original reporting on the Davy Richards domestic violence allegations, you know, last week and. Uh, <sighs> I guess I might as well share the detail that did not end up in the article. Um, someone had tipped me off that something was going on. I had heard that there might be a police report, so one of the things I did was try to reach out to the local police department. Um, I don't think anyone I talked to within wrestling said anything, because it Based on everything I was conversing with them about, I have no reason to believe that they would have said anything to him or lied to me about it. But mysteriously, uh, within hours of me leaving a voicemail with the local police department, uh, one Wesley David Richards of the fire department sent me an email out of the blue. Well, I mean... There's a, the fire department and police departments in towns, especially smaller towns, but towns, there is a communication there, yes. Yeah, I mean, I certainly have my theory there. I don't know if I could ever prove it, but, I mean, the information he had was incorrect to varying degrees anyway, what he was claiming he heard, but, yeah, I, it, let, I'll just put it this way, like, there are things that every people, the promotions that have unbooked him and stuff, they have, they've been presented with things that have to do with why they agreed to stop booking him. I mean, it's not, there's a, not I, mean, I mean, I mean, basically, there's a lot, there's a lot of serious allegations out there 
that uh, yeah, that's what I mean. People have basically divorced themselves of him, and rightfully so, right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the best way I can put it, I guess, is like it. They are whatever anyone thinks like about this kind of thing. Normally, this is not something where they are going based just on the on the allegation. Whether you think that should be enough, or regardless. There are other things they have that people have seen that have concerned them. Is probably what I'll leave it at. There's a paper trail, so to speak. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like there, and there was a police report. I haven't done the reporting on it yet because the, without getting too into the weeds, I'll explain to Chris off the air. Like they, uh, uh, the police probably put things in the report that they should not have. So, trying to figure out how to handle that. Plus, I was making sure I got everything they had. But, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure we'll hear more about this. Uh, it's a layered situation because there's multiple people involved, too. Yeah, there's a lot going and on. kids and all sorts yeah, of Yeah, there's that, too. So, I mean, it's just... It's, yeah, it's just a, a screwed-up situation. Yeah, so... You know, you know, glad at least that we were able to do some good work on that, if nothing else. But just terrible situation, you know. So, I mean, that's the main thing I can think of that, you know, of note that I worked on in the last uh, week or so, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll have something more fun coming with Vania Weekend and everything. Uh, we'll see. But anyway, let's get back to the rest of the show. What, you couldn't find a way to transition on a less downer note? Well, whatever. Let's have fun on the main show. All right, let's go back to the U.S. now. We'll start in uh, New England for the Central Wrestling Alliance in Andover, Massachusetts on March 25th. We have uh, Joint the Clown over Bert Centeno, Little Louie over Sleazy, Vic Steamboat over Damian Demento. Oh, my God. A handicap match, the Dungeon Master over Mike Talk and Rick Lloyd. Sugar Rick Lloyd. Misty Blue in 1995 over the Nasty Girl by Countout. Okay. The Eliminators, Cronus and Saturn over Question Marks. And the Mysterians. Knuckle, Knuckles Nelson over Candyman. And then our main event at Jobber Tom Brandy, aka Johnny Gunn. Over Rip Martell by Countout. Okay. Um, the Battle of Tom Zink's Ex-Partners. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out if I should make any jokes here or not, other than just saying queet. <laughs> he should have been brought in as a special referee. That would have been a hoot. Uh, maybe they did, but he queet on the booking. <laughs> Tom Brandy hanging from a pole match. I mean, Tom's hanging from a ball match. Yeah, I'm not going to follow that one up at all. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> too bad there's no uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell of the Sprayberry High Yellow Jackets. <laughs> yeah. Or Brian Pillman. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, uh, what's his face either? No, uh, Danny Croppet. He's in Japan. No. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they got a few par- partners over the years, yeah. But he, yeah, this is a CWA show. Misty Blue in 1995. 
Well, New England was where she got trained originally because her yeah, and just, her crew had the Kowalski hookup. I just uh, thought she was done before then, but I guess not. I'm curious if I just look on Cage Ranch or wrestling data. Let, let's go with wrestling data. I'm curious what kind of activity she has later on. Because, I mean, I don't even remember her getting, like, any, like, random, like, magazine coverage in this era. And you would think she would. Well, that that had, that had dried up by then. Well, some of the magazines had. Okay, so... Not the Misty Blue dried up. The magazines had dried up. Okay, so, let's see. So, I guess... 92, since that's the end of the LPWA, should be the point we're moving from, I guess. So, like, yeah, so going back, like, the last 10 matches, because that's what's on the you know main wrestling data page that she has listed, are October 92 for the UWA in Sayreville, New Jersey, against Linda Dallas. Linda Dallas again, April 93 in Livingston, New Jersey. At a fundraiser for the Maccabee Games fencing team. Oh, that's right. That's one of the Jeff Bucant shows. That's right. I forgot that Misty Blue Linda Dallas is on the uh, first uh, Maccabee, Maccabee and Mania. Wonderful. How about that? Uh, a Larry Starp show in May 93 in Clementon. Uh, then we got CWA uh, March 94 in Andover with Nasty Girl. Uh... So, yeah, basically a year apart. Uh, yeah, wait, is that the same town, too? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, WWA in Clementon in April. A WWWA show at the Trump Taj Mahal on April 16th, 94, where uh, Misty beats Rusty Thomas to win their women's title. Uh, a match with Nasty Sherry in... Kawanaki, or excuse me, Kanawaki, Quebec, in August 94. Uh, I might have actually had a tape of that show once, now that I think about it. Um, and then two more CWA shows with Nasty Girl. And the last one ever listed at the Cumberly, Cumberland Fair in Cumberland, Maine, Misty Blue defeated Sherry from Paris in uh, September 95. Well, we're not too far away from her career's ending, so there you go. Yes, her and uh, her and her husband returned to the scene, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Have you read that article about them? I did. Yeah, it's on uh, what what's his face, the porn historian guy's website. Yeah, yeah. I forget his name. The guy, the guy who did the Tracy Lord's uh, podcast. Yeah. All right. Oh my uh, God! This show, this Trump Oswald show. <laughs> I have to read this real quick because this is just this is a star-studded Jersey indie thing, and we'll move on. Uh, after that, Johnny Gunn over King Kalua, Misty Blue Rusty Thomas, Little Leprechaun over Little Ninja, Rick Martel over Abdul the Butcher by DQ, Jim Messenger and Demic Demic Domino, Derek Domino over Demolition Axe and Blast by DQ. Tito Santana over Sid Vicious by DQ. Wait, what's the date on this again? This is April 94. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, Jack Hammer, of course. Over Jim Neidhart by DQ. Notice a pattern in these finishes? DQs. Yes, and in your main event, 
for uh Brutus the Barber Beefcake defeated Nails to win the WWWA heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. At the Trump Taj Mahal, the carousel room of its day. <laughs> All right, let's go to Universal Superstars of America. Hey! They ran New York City. That's all it says. No that, that's, that's vague. This is New York City on March 24th. With a skull von crush over Gino Caruso. Oh. Oh. Christopher Michaels over Supernova. Bix, it's, it's time for you to do your Christopher Michaels uh, correction here. Yeah, I always thought the USWA and OVW Chris Michaels was the Northeast guy having moved from New York, which I feel like I had actually been told by wrestlers, but no, they're two different people. Yeah, so there you go. Yes, and Supernova, of course, is uh, no, Mike Pucci. Yes. Johnny Handsome of Ray Starling. Tiger Cat with a WQ with a Warlord. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, the main event is just kiss the fingers. Bodyguard for hire of the Kodiak Bear. There is no more US of A match <laughs> than a main event of Bodyguard for Hire versus the Kodiak Bear. Yes. But we're not done yet with our New York Metro Indies. Eastern Shores Wrestling on March 25th in Southampton, New York. So this was actually in the Hamptons, huh? Yes. Wow. Did they have a white party afterwards? <laughs> I think Southampton is the one... I forget if it's Southampton or East Hampton, is the one that's more of, like, the townies than oh, the so rich people oh, everywhere. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's where the commoners live. Okay, I got you. All right, uh, HD ride over Bad Chad. Could that be friend of the show, Chad Austin? <laughs> I don't think so. By this Probably point not. Time. Trooper Max over Keith Shera, the future Keith Sher- Os- and former Keith Sherer, I guess. Glenn Osborne over the Rock and Rebel. Wait, does he have a promoter's license in New York? <laughs> Cousin Luke over Mongo Vial by count out. No, that's Mongo Vale. And do you know who that is? No. That would be one Ray Deadly. Okay, there you go. Mongo Vale. Because so remember... Bubba Ray Dudley. <laughs> remember, what was his first appearance in ECW? It wasn't as Bubba Ray Dudley. It was... Whose bodyguard was he? But it was as Mongo. And then Primo Carnero III over Sunny Beach. Rageable Manny Fernandez of Iron Man Tomatiro. <laughs> And then our main event, Hercules Hernandez over the Warlord. In 1995. Oof. That's a show with wrestlers on it. <laughs> oh my god, I just re- it didn't even hit me at all. Hillbilly Cousin Luke versus Green Bubba Ray Dudley. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gene Lewis against Mark LaMonica. <laughs> I mean, in 1995... <sighs> I'm curious what Manny's matches looked like at this point, but there is a very good chance. I know he was a good trainer, but still, there's a very good chance that Glenn Osborne is the best worker on this show, and I'm not sure what to think of that. I had a Manny Fernandez like in the ECW in this era. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I guess Paul's not a fan of Valor Thieves. <sighs> Maybe he was asked too much money. Who knows? It doesn't stop. NWA New Jersey ran Camden, New Jersey on March 25th. We have Ace Darling over Johnny Handsome. Devin Storm over the Inferno Kid. Dwight the Cloud over Corporal Punishment. 
Dan Seven retained the World Heavyweight Title beating Osama Nishimura. Yes, right. Angel Vera and Bobby Perez over Derek Domino and Chris Evans. Not Captain America. Brittany Brown over Robin Banks. And then... Uh, the Peace to Resistance. The Stallion Strike Force, Tito Santana and Jim Powers over Ironbark Sharp and the Kodiak Bear. <laughs> My God. What? The Northeastern Indies, Biggs. This is your people. <sighs> okay. Um... Okay, what do we even have here? Uh, Chris Evans is Chris the Edge Evans, who's a Monster Factory guy who I thought had not been working for Dennis at this point. So that's kind of interesting because the whole Dennis-Larry sharp split. Um, Don't know anything about Robin Banks. I know I've heard of Brittany Brown before. Uh, I I can't get over that main event. Also, (laughs) have... How about the NWA World Heavyweight title being fourth from the top on a Dennis show? Yeah. Definitely interesting, isn't it? And Severn just won the title, too. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this was originally booked as Chris versus Nishimura. Maybe. Hmm. Interesting show, though. Very joyous. Yeah, you can say that. <laughs> Any idea which doink? Well, Brandy's not working another show. Was Brandy a doink? At times? I mean, it wouldn't yes. shock me. Okay. Yes. I'm assuming that the Tony Rumble doink is Ray Apollo, though. Uh, yeah, possibly. Because he's not working WWF TV anymore, and they go way back. Yeah. Huh. All right, Extreme Championship Wrestling. And we go to the Pro Wrestling Torch. Shocking. More bleachers have been added to the ECW Arena, and it cannot be further expanded. This rather than moving to a weekly or bi-weekly schedule, ECW owners, Todd Gordon and Paul Heyman, are looking to move into a bigger venue in the Philadelphia area. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, uh, yes. You know where I'm going with this, right? Owners? I thought Paul wasn't an owner until he bought out Todd in June. <laughs> what, did he get Eddie's 49%? <laughs> Yeah, what interesting wording here. Owners. Huh. But I'm, it gets better. Heyman says he expects to be in a bigger venue by the end of summer with a 4,000-seat Pennsylvania Hall being one of the options. I mean, look, retroactively, we know they never filled that place without papering it. Mm-mm. They genuinely did not have a reason to expand. Um, but you read the newsletters, though, you think that, you know, they have to. They got over 1,500 fans in that building, Bix. I'd love to know what the rent was and how that compared to other places. Because when you hear about Goodhart, it's never that Pennsylvania Hall was the big expense. It's that he was overspending on talent. Yeah. Um, now but still, I mean, they're, bring, they're, they're drawing these major houses at East Navy Arena. Sure. And then remember, the plan was at one point that... In July, at what end on the day that ended up being the Flagstaff show, where Public Enemy drops the belt to uh, Raven and Richards, they were going to do a Funk Cactus Explosion match at Lackawanna County Stadium, but yeah. that didn't really get that far past booking the date. And then, according to the Torch, at least the uh, the venue wanting a tarp to put down uh, so the chairs didn't damage the field. Yeah, which I'm sure Paul said that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Paul saying things. He said he's hiring two full-time workers to handle merchandise orders. 
merchandise, primarily the videotapes, is ECW's primary revenue source at the time, with $1,000 a week in videotape orders. Okay. Been a while since we've talked about this, but I think it is time to re-examine the whole who is filling their videotape orders at this time scenario. Come July, when they have their very public split for mm, Rob Feinstein and RF Video, complete with an angle on TV to explain it, the claim made in the newsletters by Rob is that he was being paid to fill every order that went through ECW, and they were causing him all sorts of trouble because they do the ads with order now, or even just say, you know, get in four to six weeks when the tape hadn't even been edited yet and wasn't close to being done. Um, it's Rob, so grain of salt regardless, but not once in my life, and I think the same applies to you, have I ever talked to someone who ordered a tape from ECW and got it from Rob Feinstein? Yeah. Stuff that was actually from ECW was a generation better picture quality, noticeably so. Um, I just, I don't get, I don't get, like, are, were, were people supposed to believe this? But if, if Rob's not, if Rob's not filling the tapes, were they just scapegoating him? Then why was there the whole thing where they didn't work together, work together for a year? I buy that they need more people to help them fill orders. Oh yeah, wait a second. Chris, I just realized, if they're not handling the videotapes themselves, why do they need two people to fill the orders that are mostly videotapes? Well, they got, they're got they starting to do their t-shirts, though, too. But it says merchandise, primarily the videotapes, is ECW's primary revenue source at this time with thousands of dollars a week in videotape owners. Orders. Excuse me. Yeah. So, a few months later, we hear they're not the ones filling the videotape orders. Yeah. So, if they're not the ones filling the videotape orders, I mean, God, I don't want to sound like I'm defending Rob. I find it hard to believe with everything that we know, and at least what we're told that doesn't reflect the things we do know, I think this is a sign that they are getting underwater, but because Rob had started putting himself forward so much with the ads on a Resi's radio show, with the Aftermag ads starting right before this a few months earlier. I think they figured people would buy, if they got rid of him, that they were getting rid of the problem that was causing late videotapes. Yeah. And Rob being Rob went along with the angle they used to explain it on TV, because it's Rob, and of course he's going to mark out for being on TV. <laughs> so, like... yeah. My gut is this story here is true. That's very plausible. It's just that... So what did Rob get out of going along with this lie, if it's a lie? Do you think they told him, wait a year, cool off? Maybe. And maybe he was still getting paid at some? And was maybe helping them with other stuff? Well, he was doing the fan cams. Well, no, here's the thing, though. Gabe always did the fan cams. Gabe did not work for our video at the time. Gabe never worked for RF Video until after ECW closed. Yeah, but RF Video is selling the fan cams. Yes, but it's Gabe is the one running the camera because he's trusted as kind of the ECW employee who's friends with those guys. But 
just a weird situation. And like we said before, I forget if we talked about it on the main shows or just the Patreon shows. The person who probably made the most money, certainly in profit from ECW, is Rob Feinstein. Yeah. Like, by probably by many orders of magnitude. Very much so. Just a strange situation. Anyway, that's it for ECW this week. Speaking of John Resi, though. Yes. Uh, let's see here. John Arezzi has become the primary intermediary for a AAA promotion in the United States in addition to working for the Ultimate Fight officials and a pay-per-view distributor, Semaphore Entertainment, and bringing AAA back to the U.S. pay-per-view scene. ECW has been contacted by Arezzi about partaking in a convention with AAA and UFC. Heyman says he doesn't necessarily feel ECW is ready to move on to a pay-per-view, but doesn't want to jump the gun on testing that market before getting a better foothold in more television markets. Heyman has known Silverford's VIP of marketing development, Michael Aberson, for several years, and has probably gone straight to Silverford Entertainment if interested in running a pay-per-view through them. Well, how about this? And interesting that we never put this in our pay- the, the East Bay pay-per-view Patreon show. Well, we had trouble pinning down exactly when to start. Yeah, and so this is early in that game. But he's saying, so, I don't want to do pay-per-view. Well, yeah... Then a few but, months later, he wants to do pay-per-view. Yeah. Well, that's when he supposedly is now the owner. Full owner. But it says he's an owner in the same torch. I know, but that's the thing. Do you do you think that Todd Gordon is like, I don't want to do pay-per-view. And then Heyman's wanting to do pay-per-view. Maybe. And that's one of the reasons why Paul buys him out. You mean since the talk starts immediately after he buys him out? <laughs> yeah. It, it tracks to a degree, yeah. Because we, we spent all that, you know, we were trying to figure out recently about why would Paul want to buy the company from the money mark? That's something that you don't do. Yeah. Well, when you have a situation like this where you're split on a vision of the future of the promotion... Knowing Paul wanting to have full control, I could see him definitely doing that. And you know what? In this case, I think Paul is kind of right, because the pay-per-views were pretty much all profitable, right? Pay-per-view wasn't really the problem. Yeah, I mean, they always did above their station in wrestling on pay-per-view. Yeah. You know, towards the end, they're doing better than WCW. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, I was about to bring that up. They were beating WCW. So, if that happened, Paul was right. Yeah. The problem was paying for the TV and all the other shit. Yeah. Well, let's go to a more uh, honorable and honest promoter. But it's interesting now that we never uh, really have thought about this before, though. You know? Yeah. That that would be a reason why Paul and Todd had their you know thing here. And that motherfucking Arezzi, you know? Trying to be a middleman for uh, AAA. Well, John's, John's radio show is pretty much over. I think his last show was in February. So, yeah, interesting. I still see wrestling. They ran a, a place in Pittsburgh. All it says on uh, March 26th for 202 fans. Black Cat over Frank Stiletto. Future Shock over Lou Basic. Catfish Jack retained the Steel City title, beating Moondog Splat by disqualification. Laura Zoltan retained the junior title, beating T.C. Reynolds. 
Then we have T-Ranch, a lot over Beast Julie Marconi, and Demolition Axe over Sheriff Steele in your main event. And, of course, because we're in Pittsburgh, if you lost track of which Moondog is which, this one shouldn't be too hard because Moondog Splat is, of course, Bill White, Bigfoot. Because it's Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just a cat that's on the show, Edie, so... Yeah, he worked for Norm fairly regularly during this run. Yeah. MEWF. At the MEWF arena in Essex, Maryland on March 26th. We have the good fellows, Romeo Valentino and Dino Casanova. Oh, over Adrian Hall and Ramblin' Rich Myers. <laughs> there are few better rip-off indie names than Adrian Hall. <laughs> then we had a Buckhouse Battle Royal won by Joe Thunder. Mighty Joe Thunder. The well. Comet over Lucifer. Dr. Payne over the Kabuki Kid. Mad Dog O'Malley over the world's greatest wrestling clown. <laughs> Then Mad Dog O'Malley over Billy Bratt. Then Mad Dog O'Malley over Johnny Taylor. And then Corporal Punishment beat Mad Dog O'Malley to win the MAWF heavyweight title. So it was basically the uh, Mad Dog O'Malley challenge gauntlet. Guess so. Tag titles. Sweet and Sour. Johnny Graham and Rob Knox just defeated the Mason Dixon connection whenever Bulldozer Benton and J.R. Willett won the titles. Well, heavyweight title, Cat. Burglar defeated Martin Sharp Schrader to win that title. Yes. Luna Vashon over Malia Hasaka. Axel Rotten over the Metal Maniac. And Super Jimmy Snook over Johnny Polo. Yes. Raven working as Johnny Polo in late March 1995 on yeah. the show. Wow. How about that? Very interesting. Yeah. And we're going to Jimmy Snook no less. Huh. That's, I mean, because, I mean, the Raven character's been in ECW since January. Since the beginning of January, pretty much. Yeah, so, I'm sure that that ECW television was in that area. Okay, so, I just checked on Cage Match. Not even his last booking as Johnny Polo. Oh, wow. On April 7th, Port Jefferson, New York, on Long Island. Wrestling in the USA it says the net is the promotion it says the net it, uh, it's under freelance shows i don't know and the name of the event is iwa but johnny polo over jim powers on a show that also features samu over jim neidhart jim powers over johnny handsome virgil over mike sharp primo pernera the third over well it says mongo vile here but i think again it should be vale uh skull von crush over st jones and an opener of Don Rock and Rocky Shore over Storm and Norman and the Italian Sensation. Yes, uh, yeah, Johnny Polo in the April of 95. That's crazy. Well, it's a little less crazy than you think. Because we still, we're still doing the early Raven Dreamer matches. Like, those are just getting started. And Tommy's still getting wins over him at the spot shows. So this whole thing is not really mapped out yet. Yeah, but still, you know, that character has been kind of established by then. Yeah. It's an area that gets ECW television. Yes. Uh, Which makes you wonder how, you know, how we played it up. Yes. To, if he was doing the Raven look 
as Johnny Polo, or is he doing Johnny Polo look with the with just with a different hair? Also, do we know when he first got the tattoos? He didn't. I don't think he had that many in '95. So it's doable. It's yeah, it's doable. Okay. Well, now we move on to the uh, spiritual success. Not successor, spiritual predecessor to a friend of the show. Cleveland All Pro Wrestling ran Brook Park, Ohio, on March 23rd. Scott Demore over Mike Levesay. Lee Labrell over the Mountain Man. Otis Apollo and Bobby Clancy went to a WQ with Rigo Rodriguez and Calavera Cortez. Ray Roberts over Randy Rogers. Sean Casey retained the U.S. Highway title over Steve Nixon. Pain and Agony, Johnny Walker and JT Lightning retained the North American Tag titles over Brett Powers and Biff Beverly. And our main event. Cactus Jack over Bruiser Bedlam. Speaking of Cactus Jack versus Bruiser Bedlam. That's an interesting show there. Yeah, Midwest Territorial Wrestling. We have a report from the Torch. This Scorpio is uh, from who? Chris Avisa or No. No, it's from somebody else. Okay. Scorpio meets Snow for the first time. Midwest Territorial Wrestling, March 25th, 1995. Taylor, Michigan. Sharing a community center. Estimated attendance, 350 fans. Al Snow fans who Scorpio 13-13 and to reverse the powerball but tip to a pit. It was the first time these two wrestled against each other. Snow became Snow began the one contender for the MTW title with this victory. The match was fought Japanese style with strong Met wrestling and counterholds played by both wrestlers. There were several Mexican style spots, including Snow bounced from top rope, top rope, executed moonsault. Scorpio did several aerial maneuvers and he gave Snow a very dangerous backdrop driver. Snow did a modified Himalayan suplex with spinning head scissors and missed a slingshot leg drop. Both exchanged with stiff chops, also very good, but he ended early, three and a half stars. You have an MTW heavyweight title, Bruiser Bedlam, beat Katniss Jack and live 50 to retain his title. So there they are working a double shot after a DDT on a chair. Very good brawl, both men bleeding buckets. Bedlam back, body drop, Katniss on the concrete floor. Both men fought with chairs, tables, and a garbage can. Cactus clothesline Bellum was sitting in the chair. Cactus hit Bellum with a piece of wood and shattered a toy shovel on his head. Fans left satisfied. Three and a half stars. In other bouts, Los Rudos, Calavera Cortez and Rico Rodriguez managed by the Rude Boy, beat Steve Nixon and Andy Fish by counting out. Sean Casey ran at, at the, along with Nixon challenged Los Rudos to a match. Before the show, the Rude Boy has stolen Sean Casey's tights. Casey been one of the Rudos at their sunset flip on top of the next and drop kit and keep him down. Good work by all. Two and a half stars. Judge Dredd fought Raider Cripple Roberts to WQ. The match was short because Roberts stole enough at the meet hitting the ribs. Oops. Oops. Randy Hogan, a well known Hulk Hogan looking like, was a kiss ring announcer, but before the match, telling the crowd to take their vitamins plus this imposing. Yes, it was that Hogan fan. What's his name now? No, 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 no. That's Roddy Hogan. This is TBS Randy Hogan. If it's Randy. It says Randy Hogan was the guest ring announcer. So that, okay, so that... uh, You're thinking it's Roddy. And just being mistakenly called Randy. Why would former TBS wrestler Randy Hogan be ring announcing on his shows? He hasn't been wrestling in a while, so I don't know. Anyway, uh... Robert him in the groin. Hogan was doing was carried to the dressing room to the crowd's approval. Mickey Doyle went to, to face Muhammad Assad, but did well didn't take place due to Doyle's knee surgery. 
Chris Carter clipped Doyle's knee from behind, started a feud between these four partners. Then we have Paris and Roberts over Stevens and Mike Kelly in 14-10. And Scott Demore defeated the Mass Patriot. Hmm. Yeah. Midwest Territorial Wrestling. Got, I mean, basically became a thing on the tape trading circle because of Sabu. And Sabu's mentioned about Snow and stuff. Well, Sabu didn't work for Gary Warren track that much, did he? I mean, yeah, but it, it, him being part of that uh, got them out there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, got you should up you. Right. And you also so, have the same guys jumping around your NWA Sabu cards and the like. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, Cage Match only has six uh, MTW Sabu matches, all from '94. Uh, uh, two of which are on the same show, and it's all in like a three-month period. Huh. Okay. So it's uh, there are two. Okay, yeah, there were two Al Snow matches. There's a Terry Funk match, and otherwise, it's Bobo Brazil Jr. and Andy Fish. Andy Fish. Mm. Yeah. Who was first, Andy Fish or Bobby Fish? I guess Andy Fish. Well, it's hard to be before Bobby Fish. Yeah, it is. All right, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. The Gangsters, they got Bluegrass Brawl coming up, where The Undertaker's been announced as their opponent in their mystery six-man tag match. So, let's go to uh, that clip, shall we? And uh, let's see how New Jack Mustafa are handling this. I'm sure there will be nothing offensive about this. In just a few moments, it'll be Killer Kyle and Boo Bradley for the Beat the Champ television title. But you guys had quite a, almost an allergic reaction last week when Jim Cornette announced that it will be The Undertaker as uh, your adversary coming up at the Bluegrass Brawl. As a matter of fact, I'd like to take you back, ladies and gentlemen, before we talk to these gentlemen uh, about uh, the, the announcement Jim Cornette made right here just seven days ago. The gangsters have been going around saying that they aren't scared of anybody. Well, there's one man in the world of wrestling that scares everybody that he comes in contact with. And the gangsters have been going around saying they're going to bury everybody under that gangster flag. Well, there's one man in the world of wrestling that buries people better than anybody else. The partner for you and Bullet Bob Armstrong to face the gangsters at the Bluegrass Brawl, thanks to me, is going to be The Undertaker. What? What? The Undertaker. Are you kidding me? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The Undertaker and Paul Barrett. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there you heard the announcement. Uh, Have you had a change of heart? Do you have any different attitude than last week? The only thing good I get out of this, Cornette, you done proved it. You scared of the gangsters. Now you, bullet head Bob Armstrong, Tracy Rezac, you done went out and got the Undertaker. Well, if that's how you want to play, we going to play. But you best believe that before we leave Smoky Mountain, every redneck that has ever came to a Smoky Mountain match and will come while we here, you going to salute my flags. You gonna salute it, you gonna throw away those raggedy flags you got, and you gonna have one hanging on your wall. Now I'm gonna tell you something. Killer Cow, he coming. We agreed on something. Killer Cow, go take care of that idiot, that retard, that inbred Boo Bradley. 
And we gonna stand here and we gonna see to it. But you better believe, Undertaker. I got a lot of sleepless nights ahead of me. But somehow, some way, if I live through this, we gonna do something to you too, boy. Because I'm gonna tell you, I got a headache thinking about what we got coming up. And I know, Cornette, you better watch your back because you might not make it. And you probably got something to do with this too. Not a thing, not a thing. Absolutely, I have nothing to do with it. Ladies and gentlemen, our Beat the Champ television matchup is next. Boo Bradley and Killer Kyle, let's take you back up to Tommy Noe. Ladies and gentlemen, well, gangsters on their way out, so. Well, go out with a bang. Uh, JC don't know that yet. No. Um, I'm glad he let them just be the gangsters here. Yeah. That they're not really scared. They're not doing any, like, kind of racist I saw a ghost stuff. They're just the gangsters. Yeah. Um, Again, it's about to, they're, they're about to be leaving soon, so... Yeah, now I'm trying to... I hope I can find this fairly quickly. I want to find one of the uh, New Jack Torch talks for a very particular reason. Oh, good, it's only three parts. Okay, let's see. Uh, part two. Uh, oh, part one is not text, so let's see if it's in here. And you'll understand in a second why I'm bringing this up. Uh, oh, it's in part one. Okay, well, give me a second, because it's relevant. To, it's directly relevant to this problem. <laughs> Vamp for a second, or while I pull up the relevant passage. Um, I mean, you heard that Puffy Undertaker. Yeah? From that crowd. I mean, 95 is the era where they basically don't have anybody drawn anymore, so you have to bring in the heavy WF hitters, what they can, but still try to pop houses. Yes. So. Yeah. Um. I'll try looking for a different word real quick. And there we go. Okay. It was something was misspelled. Um. <laughs> so in the torch talk, now what? Uh, when is this issue dated? And when is the interview? Interviews right before. Okay. So this is this is in August. Okay. Wade X New Jack, were you surprised that in some of the areas where you traveled, how different the people were from what you had experienced most of your life? Talking about smoking. Yeah, I didn't think people like that still existed. For me to get up in the ring and pretend like I hate white people, that was a work. But to see people actually coming to the show, one eyed kid came up to me and said, New Jack, do you know what an inbred is? And it's hyphenated, so that's why I couldn't find it at first. <laughs> The little boy was like 12 years old. I said, no. He said, well, I'm going to show you what one is. See that man over there? See the lady sitting beside him? They're brother and sister, but they have a child. And I am not going to dare try saying this like New Jack, but just picture it in your head. That this is Jerome Young saying this. Then he showed me this big-headed, retarded kid who was sitting beside them. I'm like, damn, I didn't know stuff like that existed until I got up in the damn, them, damn hit, bleh, them damn hills. Then you start seeing a whole lot of stuff up there. So I am guessing that uh, that incident took place right before this. Yeah. I can believe that with the timing. Yes. I mean, how many other problems does he say inbred and retarded in? 
You know something about Boo Bradley, but yeah. All right. So we have another promo from TV where Al Stone Unibomb become the Rock and Roll Express in front of Bob Cottle's, I mean, Jim Ross's eyes. Let's go to the clip. Yes. Uh, what is widely considered one of the last truly great moments of Smoky Mountain television. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, bloody Boo Bradley had to be held back to the locker room. Now, I thought I was supposed to be talking to the Rock and Roll Express here. Well, you're going to. You're going to. Trust me, Jim. I took it upon myself to come out here and to tell the truth about what the Rock and Roll Express are really feeling in their hearts. You know, we've been wrestling these guys on different shows, and they've been running from us. They've been scared. They've been terrified. And I haven't the- seen that. And how would you know what's in their heart? Jim, buddy, it's all right. Anyway, save it up. Save it up, okay? You're, you're delirious with fever. Rock and Roll Express, I kn- Okay, I want to say this so I don't forget this. <laughs> He's already so much more polished after just a few weeks on promos. But I think the ring, the thing that really shines about why his promos are so good here and why they're not really elsewhere after this, Hal Snow is an asshole and he gets to be an asshole here. <laughs> yeah. Makes a difference when you're able to be yourself. Yeah, time's done. Know what's in your heart. And we're going to show these people what's really in your heart. In fact, we got some uh, demonstrational aids because we know all the people out there are so stupid. First, we got Robert here. Putting a wig on Glenn. Oh, that's Robert, huh? Here we go. He's trying to do the lazy eye. And and let me guess, you're you're Ricky. (laughs) Brother, (laughs) I'm Ricky Morton. (laughs) Rock and Roll Express forever. (laughs) What do you think, huh? (laughs) I think it's ridiculous. Boy, if you ever had an original thought, it'd die of loneliness. Well, brother, all I got to say is, Al Snow, Unibomb, please don't hurt us no more. Please, you beat us up so bad, we can't take it anymore. In fact, you beat us up so bad, Robert Gibson's mama's even wrote us a note. And she, right there, that's right. Thank you, Robert. Thank you very much. Robert, you dummy, your mother wrote it in sign language. I can't read sign language that well. Please, stop. Show show some respect. I am. I'll try. Dear Mr. Snow and Mr. Unimom. That's that's, that's that other big guy. Rock and roll. Dear Mr. Snow and Mr. Unibom, please don't beat up my boys anymore. Don't hurt Ricky Morton or my little... Any more, please, sir. Signed, Mrs. Gibson. Who's it? Oh, that's that's right. That's you, Robert. That's what your mother used to call you because she couldn't talk. Ricky Morton. Sick. Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson. Ricky, you're so skinny, they got to tie knots in your legs just so you have knees. And Robert Gibson, you're so... Cr- oh, gee, I wonder who fed him that line. <laughs> That does not sound like anything that the booker of this promotion would pull out of a joke book at all. Outside, when you cry, the tears run down your back. If you think for a minute that we're going to be happy just taking your sticking belts, you're out of your minds. Because we didn't come here just for a belt. We came here to kill a legend. And a Rock and Roll Express are going to be dead real soon. Oh, I, I have been around a lot of repulsive things, and I think that tops the list. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go up to Tommy Noe, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this match is a tag team match. You know what's also repulsive? 
Tommy Noe faking Scott Armstrong's death to play a rib on Dave Prezak. <laughs> anyway, which I don't think has happened yet. I think that's a month. Uh, right, because Scott's not in Smokey yet, so that's a month or two away. Um, the, uh, uh, the two best things are Glenn doing the wandering eye and uh, the way Snow just deadpan. I mean, that's what makes it work. The way he just deadpans the line about... Uh, Oh, wait, wait, now I'm drawing a blank. But the, uh... Oh, because she can't talk part. Where, where he hammers hammers it home by saying because she couldn't talk. Well, Snow's... He, I mean, he throws it out so casually. Yes. Yeah. That's what he does in, in Smoky Mountain in his promos. He does that. He's been, I mean, it's, it's he's not doing it to be funny. He's going to be an asshole. Yes, and... If you, it works because it's coming off naturally because he's just doing it as an aside. He is not pausing and waiting for his pop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And is this Jim Ross's last TV show with them? I don't know if it's the final TV show, but I mean, it's the the last taping. Yeah. Um, I know you have to shoot it differently because Glenn Jacobs is a very tall man, but this is one of the early signs of the, production of the TV going downhill because now we have this like shitty looking backdrop with the banner that's not hanging correctly. Like I get you have to shoot higher and shoot over the top of the backdrop because it's Glenn Jacobs, but things are about to get worse and this is just a sign of that. Yeah. Oakwood, Virginia house show March 25th for foreign fans and Robert Gibson over Dilo Brown, Brew Bradley over Killer Kyle, Unabomb over Ricky Morton, Gangsters over Trace Mose and Boo Bradley. And Dirty White Boy over Buddy Landell. So there is that. All right, Memphis. Memphis Coliseum on the 27th for USWA. Scott Studd. Scott Anton over uh, Ken Raper. Spellbinder over Moondog Rex. Not Randy Cully, but the other Moondog Rex. Moondog Spot over Chris Canyon. Yeah, that's him. Doug Gilbert, Wolfie D. Texas over Sweet Jordan Brown, Marcus Dupree. More him in a second. Davey Haskins over Crusher Bones and Jack Hammer. Used to be a title. Two sixty. Brian Crystal retained over Gorgeous George Third. Unified World Title Match. Bill Dundee retained over Tommy Rich by disqualification. And then Wolfie D, Bill Dundee, Jerry Lawler, and Mabel defeated Doug Gilbert, Gorgeous George Third, Spellbinder, and Tommy Rich in your main event. Okay. Um. Reminds me, before I forget, did you see what got announced for uh, the GCW return to the Evansville Coliseum? Yes. I don't have any expectations for it. It's just fun to say the match. Doug Gilbert and Tommy Rich versus Bussy. Yeah. Yeah, it should be interesting to see how Effie and Tommy Rich uh, interact in the ring. <laughs> uh, that that gives me a good reminder to try to ghostwrite Prezak's jokes for that match. So anyway, uh, the big story here is Marcus Dupree. Torch said, local Memphis football celebrity Marcus Dupree currently involved in USWA angles. Sources out of Memphis said he may be being groomed for a eventual WF debut. Although publicly he is saying he's preparing to play for the Memphis Arena football team. Well, let's go to TV, shall we? Where Marcus Dupree meets Diamond Mike, manager of Jackhammer and Crusher Bones. Is this when he joins Maximum Male Models? No. Diamond Mike not happy we're showing football highlights of March. 
wait a second. What is Diamond Mike doing here without Jack Hammer? <laughs> well, he's in the territory. Wait, Jack Hammer is? I just read results of him. Sorry, it, it, it just it, it went in one ear and out the other because we had him at home in Jersey earlier. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you get what I'm, I'm saying. I'm a- him and Crusher Bones lost to Marcus Dupree and Davey Haskins. This is the the angle that leads up to that match. Yeah, it just it just like it immediately went out of my other ear because it's like, oh wait, no, of course, Jack Hammer's in uh, New Jersey doing his thing. So this is what his second run in the USWA, or just or is it the only one? I guess the only one. Okay, Jack Hammer. For those of you who have never seen him, is basically the uh, love child of Albano and Humperdinck. That's Diamond Mike. What did I say, Jack Hammer? Yes. Sorry, that Mike. Yes. Me here is this pro football, or pro wrestling? Pro wrestling. People lost your mind. Pro wrestling. Who is I am Mr. Football? You're okay. Mr. Football. I am oh, they've got some nice Chiron now in the U.S. Football fan in the world, right here. I know all the facts and all the stats. And who is this Marcus Dupree? Are you kidding me? Is this guy a wanna be or what? I've never seen his name on the roster in my life. Okay? This is USWA professional wrestling, not football. And I just want to challenge this guy to bail out now, Graceville. Okay? Why he has a chance before my men come in and crush him like a grape. Okay? This is pro football. He's overstepped his bounds. This is my world. Okay? I am the sun, and everybody must revolve around me. Hey, he's coming out to make an apology. I don't know if he's, he's coming, coming out to make an apology or not. He's coming out here anyway. This is your big chance to bow out gracefully, okay? You have no business in the world of professional wrestling. You don't have ten men on your side, okay? You understand what I'm saying? Marcus, we were just trying to show some highlights of your career, and he comes out here complaining. Look, punk, I don't back down from nothing. 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 It looks like it when you're a pro football, huh? Who are you? Don't touch me. I don't touch you. This is don't my world. Okay? okay? I'm the man in charge around here. You understand don't me? Don't touch me, okay? You better go find out what the facts are before you enter my world of progress. You don't turn away from me. You look at me, man to man. Okay? You look at me. I see him turning away there, Marcus. Well, I can understand the way he did that. I can't really condone battling out here, but Marcus, I understand this guy out here running his... You said it earlier about how this guy can get on all of our nerves, and I tell you what, maybe, maybe that'll teach him a little bit of a lesson, this Diamond Mike. Here comes uh, Jack Hammer and Crusher Bones, a couple of guys from the Diamond Mike stable to help him out of here. He asked for it. That's the only thing sure did. Boy, Marcus sure didn't turn away from him either. He didn't back up a step. He can talk about having ten, not having ten men to back him up. I don't think Marcus maybe needs ten men to back him up. He didn't uh, seem too right there. First and foremost, Marcus Dupree's an athlete, my friend, and that goes into all phases of it. He just happened to have been the greatest high school football runner, the greatest freshman runner Oklahoma has ever seen, and then on pro football. We're ready for action in the ring. Jack Hammer in the ring. Fast forward. Okay. To what? Um, there's th- There should be something after this. With Marcus Dupree? Yeah, here we go. Alright, here okay. we go. Alright. the referee out on the fight. Davey Haskins get beat down. Marcus 
It was good punches. Yeah. Everyone other than Jack Hammer is selling it for them well, too. but he got the job done, Dave. Well, he certainly did. There's no doubt about it. Looking mighty good there, David Haskins and Marcus Dupree. Hey, Dave, real quick, I just want to thank my main man, Marcus Dupree. Every match I've had in USWA, Diamond Mike sent his men out here. It's been two-on-one. This week, two-on-two. Marcus Dupree and David Haskins. Marcus doesn't claim to be a professional wrestler. He don't know anything about arm bars. And he don't know anything about wrist locks. But Marcus is from Philadelphia, Mississippi, and he does know about fighting. Marcus Dupree and David Haskins promise. Diamond Mike, this week, your boy's going to get a good old Mississippi butt chicken. Marcus Dupree took care of business right there. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more in a moment. Yes, yeah, good punch. And the thing about David Haskins, the reason why this connection makes sense, David Haskins was a star football player from Memphis State before he got in the wrestling. Uh huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, I don't know if he was getting ready for WF or not. I mean, it would have made sense if they if if he would have picked up wrestling that they would take him in because I mean, Marcus Dupree was a name. So it doesn't happen. He, he, you know, basically gets out of the business not too long after this. So, yeah, just a little blip. Yeah, to not last long. I mean, the matches are there. He doesn't even have a cage match profile. Yeah. So he just goes back to being trash, man. And curious to check on Coliseum results. How many matches are there for him on Processing History? So we got, uh, so we got, Let's see, March 27th, April 3rd, April 10th. Okay, so he has three Coliseum matches. So he is not here long. Yeah. All right, uh, Jim Crockett stopped running weekly Saturday shows in Dallas on March 25th, but the crowds have hovered past a few weeks of 200 range. So the last night, here's the results we have. Sergeant Snap Bar, Dusty Wolf over Mike Davis. Chief Red Eagle over Tracy Austin. Kilton Brooks over Terry Sims, Randy Rhodes over Sam Houston, and Dick Murdoch over Black Bart in a Texas death match, Vic. So there's your answer to your Black Bart question. Well, I would hope so. Crockett's new plans run every Tuesday night based on the premise in the early mid-70s sports time had wrestling every Tuesday. But of course, most of what worked in the 70s is hardly applicable to today. He'll probably do one his first show on April 11th as he's doing an NWA World Tag Title Tournament. The Rock and Roll Express, the Guerrero Brothers, Greg Valentine Alperez, the Blue Scorpion in Black Park, the Inferno, Sam Houston, Mitch Partner. A new promoter of the sports on March 31st will run every Friday night using the area of unknown lucha style wrestlers. First show, which saw Fabuloso Blondie Ken Timms, the only name, also drew 200 fans. The work rate was said to have been much better than the NWA shows, but the guys are still inexperienced for the most part. So, who's training your local lucha guys at this point? In Dallas? Shit, I don't know. Are they Rudy Boy guys coming up from San Antonio? I mean, I don't know if Rudy Boy no. even had a school at this point. So. That's not close. San Antonio's too, too far away. I'm just thinking out loud. Huh. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? And but, he still does have TV a little longer, Crockett. 
Yeah, not very longer. Yeah, that promotion's on on the the deathbed right here. Yeah, that tournament does happen. Yes. With uh, Mondo Guerrero being called Armando for the only time I can remember, even though that is his name. No, he's called Armando in, in some territories. Oh, he was? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think Portland, he was called Armando. Huh. Yeah, he was called that in places, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um. So, yeah, the end is near for Crockett, so... Yeah, just another failed promotion in the Metroplex. Too bad he didn't get to shoot in high-density television. <laughs> yeah. And now let's go to everyone's favorite world championship wrestling. It, as we've done for much of the show, let's go to the Pro Wrestling Torch. The Hulk Hogan Ric Flair feud hit a new high this past week, but it wasn't on camera. The talk all weekend among WWE wrestlers was an of an office yelling match between Flair and Hogan regarding recent battles over booking power in the company. Flair hasn't been shy in expressing either direct or indirect criticism of Hogan's self-centered booking style. Friends say Flair has resigned himself to having lost all control in WCW to the point where he wonders aloud why he even attends the booking meetings because Hogan will overrule him anyway. The entire booking committee sometimes phone to Florida to meet at Hogan's house so Hogan and Jimmy Hart don't have to fly to Atlanta. Fantastic. No one involved in the company who was contacted by the torch on Monday seems to have a solid grasp on the shaky power structure. One source of the rumors of Jerry Jarrett being hired as part of WCW's front office staff as a consultant were wrong. While another source said he started work this week and could be a eventual replacement Eric Bischoff should he get promoted to another TBS division anytime in the future. Most credible reports seem to pin Jarrett down as becoming an assistant to Hogan when Hogan eventually gets official control of all WCW booking. Jared, who has maintained a strong relationship with Randy Savage and Jimmy Hart after they wrestled for his USWA territory years ago, is expected to handle the dirty work for Hogan, such as formatting TV shows when Hogan takes over for Flair. There was talk Monday it was only a matter of days before Flair would resign or more likely be asked to resign from his position as the booker, with the agreement being that he'd be paid the same $400,000 whether he or not he is the booker. Flair is fully expected to return to the ring to team with Vader against Hogan and Savage at the May 21st Slambury pay-per-view. So Flair moved from Booker back to Russell with no front office power. Said everyone in WCW from the top down is frustrated with Hogan's power wielding ways would be an understatement. The only exceptions are those in his clique, mainly Randy Savage, Jimmy Hart, The Butcher, The Nasty Boys, and a few others. Otherwise, WCW has created a monster. But since the company is built around him and because he has gained so much power, very few are willing to confront or contradict him. And, and to the stress, there continues to be concern within WCW of Harvey Schiller becoming the new chief overseer of WCW, replacing Bill Shaw. Because of WCW's big losses the past two years, a new top executive will have to be convinced such losses are growing pains and investments in future profits rather than just a cash cow for Hogan at everyone else's expense. There's some optimism that WCW will get more respect within TBS now that's affiliated with the sports division rather than the programming division. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Keep thinking that. But, uh, yeah? Well. Yeah, read the next thing, too, because that ties into all this. Well, there's more, too. I mean, there's a couple things to that. All right, the way Flair, stay with the torch, the way Flair originally put the Jimmy Hart angle uncensored, Vader was going to drop a badly beaten heart at Hogan's feet after the match to further the feud. Hart and Hogan apparently vetoed the idea, and Hart ran off in the locker room with his clothes ripped up instead. And well, I mean, another Vader thinking, wait. So, but yeah, 
So, what we just can't get any heat. It's stupid. I mean, but you know, I mean, there's Ric Flair. Only has Ric Flair to blame here. He was the one who pulled strings to bring in Hogan. He wanted it. Maybe he didn't anticipate this level of creative control, but... Well, that's the thing I was going to bring up, too. I think Flair thought that Hogan was going to be only there for a series of matches, and that's it. Or maybe even figured that since he knew Hogan loved working with him as much as he loved working with Hogan, he figured Hogan would be more cooperative with the booking. as If it was still venerating Hogan. Yeah. But... Yeah, that, I mean that's what that's what it sounds like to me is that Flair probably just think, was thought Hogan would have been gone by now. Maybe, but I mean, you get you give Hogan that you know that leverage, he's going to use it, and he did. And boy, I mean, <laughs> he took it and ran with it, and Hogan knew that he was the guy. In that company, he was the guy with the cachet. He was the guy that was, you know, Ted Turner did, I mean, did angles of him on television. So, you know, I mean, he's Hulk Hogan. I just don't know if anyone could have expected it to be like this to the degree it was. No, but who's going to say no? Mm, Yeah. I mean, Eric Bischoff was not going to say no. Now, how about that little bit there about Harvey Schiller possibly, you know, you know, with him, Bischoff being promoted inside TBS and Jerry Jarrett being the guy that replaced Eric Bischoff in that role, huh? Did Jarrett actually have any interest in that with the way the construction company's going and that this is the year he basically abandons any kind of full-time work in the office and hands it over to Randy Hales? I mean... It is WCW. It's a nationwide wrestling company. We saw, you know, I mean, maybe he does. Hmm. But he ends up getting a consulting gig anyway. I know, but it's about replacing Bischoff. I don't know. Doing. I mean, I'm curious about that one. That's an interesting theory. Being Hogan's, uh, being what Bischoff was for Hogan anyway. Hogan's flunky. Yes, I I don't know. That just doesn't click to me. It doesn't feel like something that would have been real. How about the Boone community being forced to fly to Florida to meet at Hogan's whim instead of it see at uh you know CNN Center? Goddamn, pal, that sounds familiar. <laughs> well, Vince didn't live far from Titan Tower, so well, no, so. but then also sometimes they had to fly to Boca. Well, yeah. So, like, just come yeah, on. I mean, I mean, it's Jesus Christ. You're Hulk Hogan. You can't get on a flight from Tampa to Atlanta. I tell you, it, you look at WCW in this era, and it's like two different WCWs. You know? Well, not as much as it would be later in the year, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the TV, the TV is such a marked difference between what Ric Flair's booking and what Hulk Hogan's booking. Yep. So. And Flair stays in power until the summer. Kevin Sullivan takes over. Yep. All right. Speaking of Vader, Vader was stripped of the U.S. title as a way to get the belt to sting without Vader, who holds the UWF5 version of the world title, which means politically he can't do any jobs in WCW right now. 
doing a job for Sting. They will be holding a tournament on television that will climax the June pay-per-view. This pretty much eliminates the Cruiserweight tournament scheduled for the same time. This is Dave, by the way. Actually, almost all the talk of the Cruiserweight division has disappeared as Brian Pillman's renewed push. It was announced on television on March 25th, and then Baltwinkle stripped Fader the title for his actions in the angle with Dave Sullivan the previous week because he doesn't listen to fines. So there's, so there it is. The U.S. title tournament killed the Cruiserweight title tournament, Bix. Answer that question. Well, it probably also didn't help the top Cruiserweight prospect, John Paul Levesque, has left for the World Wrestling Federation. Well, but still, you know? Yeah? With the type of stuff they seem to have in mind for it at this point, it's probably for the best they waited. Yes. When they got better talent. Yeah. All right. Torch heavy time now. On the uh, Saturday Night 100 line update, Gene Oakland acknowledged reports that Kurt Henning has been contacted with WCW. And also with the Road Warriors debuting on the June pay-per-view with the Steiners. Nope. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. None of that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, Dusty Rhodes is staying with WCW despite his son being fired. There's thought that Dustin Rhodes may sue WCW since he claims he was following his superior's orders, Mike Graham, the blade in the, in the truck match. Why didn't he sue WCW? <laughs> I guess he just figured, hell, you know, I'm in WWE now, I'm doing this Goldust character. I mean, he's not there for months, though. Que sera, sera, maybe, I don't know. I can't explain it. He and Darso absolutely should have sued. Yeah, they had a very valid reason, but they didn't do it. Yeah. Harley Race be paid to remain his contract, which expires in June, after which he told friends he fully expects to not be offered a renewal even after he recovers. This is from the car accident. Yeah, and he wasn't. So, Steve Austin has never had reconstructive surgery on his knee, thus earlier than expected to return to the ring. We'll be working open and matching his house right on upcoming house shows. Given rights push, also either put him over or do draws with him. Hmm. Some of that happens, I think. Yeah. WCW Saturday night on March 25th. So then Bob will come out and announce it later in the program. He will air a major meeting he had with Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. He also said Vader was stripped to the U.S. title based on his actions and uncensored, which, you know, we talked about that there earlier. Why that happened? Craig Pittman won a squash match. Then uh, Stars and Strikes beat the Southern Posse. Then Big Bubba beat Mark Starr. Tony Schiavone played the Encore and Prestation of Uncensored. Throughout the show, they only alluded to what happened in Uncensored, but were clearly being vague in order to not give away too much while plugging the Encore presentation. Schiavone played the 900 line for Oakland. Saying Oakland had news of three superstars who were rumored to be heading WCW, and if they did, it would shake up the wrestling world. The Road Warriors and the Steiners, basically. I guess. I don't know. Uh, Brian Pimmel won a squash after which he gave a really bad interview because one he had no storyline to talk about and two he screamed about nothing anyway <laughs> and then we get the meeting with Hulk Hogan Randy Savage and Nip Botwinkle as they tried to reinstate Ric Flair now you remember last year we played the promo um, about you know where Ric Flair got reinstated well this is the one that builds up to that this is the the, the first big meeting. So let's go to uh, Nick Botwinkle's office where Hogan and Savage are showing up. Yes, there. I think there were three meetings, right? Yeah. Actually, so wait, is this on the video that's labeled as Avalanche versus Randy Savage? 
It's on the clip that I had in the notes, Bix. Okay. As promised, Commissioner Nick Bockwinkel visited this week by Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savage, and he said, you need to see what happened. Our cameras were there, and here's exactly what happened. Wrestling fans, we told you at the top of the program today that WCW heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage came to me with a request that was so startling that I felt that you, the fans, should share and see it. And at this time, in my office, I have with me Randy Macho Man Savage, right. world champion, Hulk Hogan. You know, after the last 20 minutes, Bob, we've got to say that the Macho Man and Hulk Hogan don't have a request. We've got a pretty strong case. You know, the Hulkamaniacs are demanding this thing, brother. Ric Flair was in my face in Baltimore, man. He put Dave Sullivan in the hospital. It all, of course, is uncensored. We knew he'd be hovering around the ring, man. But he's completely out of line, isn't he, Macho Man? Let's face it, Commissioner Nick Bockwinkel. You lost control of the situation. You're powerless at this point, and things are out of control already. So why don't we go to complete mental insanity, get him reinstated, and that's the only way you'll ever gain power? again he dressed in drag what else will he do well you know he's totally out of control brother and now that we know that he's been barred from the buildings that he can't come to any wcw matches that's a bunch of bull brother we want rick flair back in the ring yes it's a demand from macho man and the hulkamaniacs that's the only way we can get our hands on him so now that you told us that you can't do anything about it now that you've got to go to the executive committee brother case in point oh. the facts are this he was in our face in Baltimore. Sullivan went to the hospital. Uncensored, he was out of control, and it's going to go on and on and on. We want him in the ring, brother. Me, Jimmy Hart's a man, me, 24 me, hours a day. Get it done to him, Hart. Get it let done. Let me promise you this, that there will be a vote next week by the executive board, and according to that vote is the way we will go. I will take your request. They will hear it. They will feel it. They will see it. Well, you've got our number. Please call us as you soon as you it. can. What do you want to know what happens? Get it done, Bockwinkle. Whatever it takes. You've got it. Oh, so, there you go. So we, so we do not get uh, Christine LeBanc, LeBanc, Tatiana Del Paz, well, this uh, uh, Dieter Krop, or Kensuke Ishikawa here. No, that I mean that no, that's coming up. Like I said, we played that that's last, next uh, last week. year when we did. That. Well, no, no, no. There no, are multiple well, meetings. Yeah, there's multiple meetings. Yeah, that starts next week. Yes, there's two of them. I think there might be three because doesn't uh, Christine LeBlanc abstain twice, or does she abstain in the yeah. final meeting? We we played two of them. I know for sure. Okay. So. But anyway, yes. So there's Hogan and Seth Savage in his WCW colored uh, attire. They're not his red and yellow Hogan kiss ass attire. I mean, it's. I think it was supposed to be a little more overtly Slim Jim. Like it's distinct from Hogan's, and it doesn't look exactly like Slim Jim. That's but not you can tell Slim it's not Jim. Hogan. Slim Jim ain't purple and gold. <laughs> That's not purple though. I thought that that looks more like maroon to me. That's purple, Bix. Uh, depends on which part in the lighting, though. See, because like on the. That's purple. It looks more maroon it's over WCW here. It's WCW color. It's WCW colors. So you think that's supposed to be purple and gold? Yes. Okay. It's a WCW colors. What Wildcat Willie? Hmm. All right. Uh, Ming with Colonel Parker want to squash. During the match, Bobby Heenan said the last thing Hogan and Savage should want is for Flair to be reinstated. Shivani said next week's show would air for the first time in a WCW International Committee meeting where their vote would take place. So wait, wait, wait. are they executive committee? Are they the international committee? 
Sir Stephen Regal takes Bobby Eaton to a high-class restaurant in England, quote-unquote. You know we're going to play this. Let's go to the clip. Where on earth is this fool? Unbelievable. Hey, Lord! 20 minutes. Hurry up. Oh, but look at this. All I got left out a bunch of stones I got with me to give it for No wonder you're trying to use American dollars in English. It's cold here. What on earth are you wearing? Well, I got from my house. I got it from my house. It's nice. Look like a reject from Saturday Night Fever. White socks and black shoes. What? We're going into a fine dining establishment. I'm hungry. You're trying to embarrass me. There's people I know here. I'm hungry. In Orlando. Because <laughs> you just saw tourists. Now, Robert, this is a fine dining establishment. Not the kind of place that you uh, American peasants are used to. This will be something definitely new for you. Excuse me, Archie. Do you want it removed? No, actually, Fred, thank you very much. He's, he's with me. Thank you. Come on, Robert. I hope you don't mind, Robert. I took the liberty of ordering ahead. You do like beef, don't you? Yeah, I love cheeseburger stuff. Uh, no, this is fries. fine British beef. Yeah, thank you very much, my dear. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what about a drop of wine, Robert? Did you have a boots for him? Ripple? Boots <laughs> for <laughs> No, could we have the, the usual, please, Robert? That doesn't go on your neck. It goes on your lap, please. <laughs> Regal's gonna vomit. Oh, goodness, this is going to be far worse than I ever imagined. <laughs> Sadly, we don't have the main event clip where he goes and buys some clothes the next day. Isn't there's no more compilation on YouTube of all of these? Well, maybe on the on that right hand corner, Bix. <laughs> uh, I think that's. Let's see. Hold on. Let me. Open that in a new tab, but let me see also if I search for... No, it's, it's April 8th, Saturday night. So, we're looking for our main event, because they air on the main event. Okay, well, there's the recap from the Year in Review year show. Review. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, oh, okay. no, you picked the wrong one. No, 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 I was closing the other stuff. Okay. So, Year in Review. <laughs> I'm going to mute. So we got our angles, and the, which takes up most of this. Uh, yeah, it's very, very clipped up. And we, it looks like we get a brief clip of the shopping expedition. Yeah, but it's not I mean, it's seconds long, so it's not really worth it. I mean, do we? Yeah, do we even get Bobby Eaton as the mask? No. Uh, eh, let's just see it for a second. Why not? <laughs> Oh, they go straight to the shopping here. Okay. Yeah, they skip the restaurant scene. Moment they were a tag team. Well, they just show it. There it is. Snippet. Earl Robert the Blue Blood. Oh, it's Tony just fact, narrating it. Okay. Of Bobby Eaton to Earl Robert, he even went to London to meet the Queen. I feel like there's a better, like, an actual compilation of this somewhere, though. Well. Uh. No, this Monsoon, includes other stuff. Yeah. Monsoon's classic. I think Monsoon class is the same one from what we just watched. Uh, There's Regal talking about it on the podcast. His now defunct podcast. Yeah. No, this Monsoon Classic thing is different. This is from. Uh, this is from Worldwide. Even well, though we have to look at Saturday see night. How it looks. Okay. Let's right, see. So... 
okay, we have right, whole, we, yeah, we this okay, okay, this is the whole this is all of it then. Okay. That was surprising. Pringle of Scotland. Come on, Robert. Let's get you some clothes. Don't find yourself some clothes, please. This looks pretty good right here, I think. Look. Nice jacket, shirt, pants. Please, go and find yourself some more clothes. Raymond's tea, please. Smoking. Yes, he is wearing basically the the yellow jacket from the mask and match with the matching tie and shirt from the mask. And says smoking. Raymond, please a little help. Eaton's trying to laugh. Regal's trying to laugh. Oh, the tailor's taking measurements. Wonderful job, Raymond. This is all turning out quite perfect. Okay, yeah, this all is right. a compilation so of different ones. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so there we go. So there, there's the two there during our week. <laughs> and I do like the touch of it, having him wear the sloppiest off-the-rack suit possible. So then when he switches to a legit tailored suit, it looks immaculate on him. Plus they did the hair. Yes. All right. Steve Austin beat Kenny Kendall next. After the match, Shivani uh, interviewed Austin, who talked about uh, still being the number one piece of talent in wrestling, that he never lost U.S. title, nor did he get a world title shot in U.S. US champion. Okay. All valid uh, excuses there from one stunning Steve Austin. Sting beat Lieutenant James Earl, after which Sting talked about his feud with Bubba. Kevin Sullivan the Butcher beat Kip A.B. and Leroy Howard, after which Butcher thanks Sullivan for waking him up from his Hulkamania dream. A lot of wrestlers wish Sullivan would do the same for their careers. <laughs> Arn Anderson won a squash match. Then we got, uh, which during which he talked about having more title defenses per month than Hulk Hogan. Yes. Then um, Randy Sashman and Avalanche at the elbow top rope. During the match, Shivani said Flair made by time on next week's TV show. It says, be fair to Flair, coming. Uh, Butcher and Sullivan attacked Savage after the match. Sting made a save. Savage thanks Sting for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Da, da, da. <laughs> so there's WCW Saturday Night. Speaking of which? Uh, they taped another edition of WCW Saturday Night on March 22nd at Center Stage for 875 fans. April 1st Saturday Night Show. So we have uh, Harlem Heat over to Lightning Express. Brian Armstrong and Tim Horner. Then we got Paul Orndorff over Mark Starr. Alex Wright and Johnny B. Bad over Arn Anderson and Steve Austin. Big Bubba over Tim Horner. Ming over Joey Max. The Blue Bloods over Red Tyler and Milton Heiger. Red Tyler, Vic. Yeah, I thought I had the town board up. I did not. How about that? Uh, big bubble over Tim Horner again, which Brad Armstrong made to save. I guess it's a reshoot. I don't know. Stain B. Steve Austin would have flipped to a roller for a clean pin. And main event taping saw Harlem Heat over the Nasty Boys and Big Bubba over Brad Armstrong. That uh, Sting Steve Austin Saturday night match is really, really good. Yes. Uh, at the taping, the fans chanted, Find the bloody glove to Lieutenant James Earl. <laughs> 
I wonder which fans those were. <laughs> were they perhaps named uh, John, Stephen, <laughs> uh, Scott? Yeah, Greg. <laughs> maybe Joe. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Find the bloody glove. Yes, and also uh, Lieutenant Earl, J- Lieutenant Lieutenant James Earl Wright is now Lieutenant James Earl. Not because they didn't want to have him associated very obviously with the the man who assassinated Martin Luther King anymore, but because they didn't want people to confuse him with Alex Wright. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> naming him after James Earl Ray with a very similar name was fine. We can't have someone else yes. named Wright. No. Definitely can. Alright. Charlotte, house show, March 24th. Switching originally scheduled to March 25th due to arena problems. I started over Paul North, replacing the part of Paul Roma. Next was over Harlem Heat by DQ and Sharon Affaired. Arn Anderson over Johnny B. Bad by TRDQ. Top rope. Hacksaw dug in over Steve Austin with Vader in his corner after dug in through Austin and Vader in the ring apron. Randy Savage's thing over Big Bob Avalanche with Savage Pin Bolo, top rope elbow. There was no explanation given on why the advertised Dustin Rose Blacktop Bully match didn't take place. Similar uh, matches took place tonight for Savannah, Georgia, with a $15,000 gate. And the next night in Augusta, Georgia, with a $10,000 gate. Charlotte drew on a $15,000 gate themselves. Charlotte should be drawn more than Savannah. Yeah. Well, let's go to those results. Yes. Savannah on March 25th, 1100 fans. Steve Austin came out to start the car and said he had purchased a contract to wrestle Hacksaw Duggan because Vader was injured in Ascension and could not wrestle. The fans booed. Austin said he was going to get back at Duggan for stealing his U.S. title. The end came when Vader ranking the ringside and his ingredients backfired and Duggan scored the pin. Sting and Randy Savage beat Big Bob and Avalanche, at which Bob and Avalanche shoved each other but eventually shook hands. The nasty boys beat Harlem Heat in a brawl ending with Sister Sherry hit Booker T in the head with her shoe. When Sherry jumped, her dress flew up, which mostly elicited laughter from the fans. Alice Wright pinned Paul Orndorff. Highlight said to be Orndorff shoved referee near Patrick, and Patrick backed Orndorff to a corner and got in his face. Orndorff was scared and tried to shake hands. Arn Anderson beat Jamie Bad by disqualification. This is advertised newspapers as a title match in the arena as, as a special event. It's always nice. No announcement was made regarding the advertised Dustin Rose Black Top Bully match not taking place. WCW, everybody, with their house show ineptitude. Yeah. But we had some special challenge matches and, as well. <laughs> yeah. And on the weekend broadcast, Twitch Money put Life Magazine's photo spread on WCW Training School. Life Magazine still existed Life in magazine. 1995. <laughs> I guess. Yes. Yeah, so... So they were in that upscale Life magazine. How about that, huh? Yeah. All right. That is it for us this week. Next week on Between the Sheets, we go back a little further to 1988, where we have an interesting show to talk about. In the World Wrestling Federation, we got the aftermath of WrestleMania, which means that there's not a lot going on, but there is a crew that is uh, in Europe for some house shows. So we'll talk about that. We'll have some business news on WrestleMania. And we'll have uh, a clip on, from television involving Andre the Giant and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So there's that. 
We got uh, all kinds of stuff from the uh, the territory indie scene, uh, including uh, AWA with the Rock and Roll Express is coming in. So what does that mean for the Midnight Rockers? We got Bob Geiger hooking up with World Class for some co-promotion. We got uh, World Class uh, news as well. We got Memphis featuring Kurt and Jerry Lawler, which is the big build-up to the uh, world title match in May. And we have all kinds of clips for television. So, yeah, involving uh, the Gilbert Stanley Marlin feud, Brother Ernest. So we got a few things there. Uh, we get news on FNN and Score. As yes, they are now in the wrestling game. So we'll talk about that. We got USA Wrestling to talk about. We got some other assorted uh, news in the South. We got a big show in Puerto Rico. We got a couple of interesting shows in Stampede Wrestling. Featuring uh, quite the ma- main event matches on those shows. We got a big All Japan Women's show to talk about. Again, the oh. big story in Japan, the big Japan story, big Japan, big story in Japan though, is the official reformation of the Universal Wrestling Federation. So we got news on that. Plus, All Japan's running a big show. And Jim Crow Promotions. We got news on uh, the debut of NWA main event on Sunday nights, which took place during our week. We got uh, Lex Luger and Barry Windham, their first promo on television as tag team champions. So news on that and all kinds of other stuff. And a, kind of a shorter show, but since it's a short show, we got to have a good guest. So next week, making his return, the King of King Sport, Bo James. Next week on Between the Sheets. So, uh, yeah, it is a show that spans nine days and it's only 14 pages <laughs> because it's, you know, WrestleMania's, you know, that happened. So they're, t- they're off basically. So there's no real WF news to talk about. And the other stuff is, I mean, Japan's got stuff going on, but we got stuff to talk about. So we'll be good. So that's that, but you know, there's other stuff going on off the air. But, you know, that we got going on. So it works out that we got a nice short show next week. Well, also, because, yeah, time. well, I'm moving next week. So. That's what I'm talking about. Bix is, uh, Bix is moving. He, he's he's going to have a new residency next week. So uh, just give him a chance to uh, get acclimated, get moved into his new spot. So there yes, you go. My new studio apartment. <laughs> and then uh, we got to that. Though we'll have a Patreon request to show. So uh, yeah, for four hundred, yes. two weeks. Yeah, for show four hundred. That's right. So we'll have that. We'll talk about that more next week. All right, big six as always. You're the rock of the show. This is Chris, and so long from the Peach State of Georgia. <laughs>
Hello, everyone, and welcome to Between the Sheets, Patreon Special Edition number 77. I'm your host, Chris Zellner, joined as always by my co-host, David Bixenspan. And Bix, it's time to go back to 1993 and look at a year in the life of one Paul Heyman. And just look at the passion that he has for this business. <laughs> All right, like I said, I, you know, I don't read these ahead of time. Do we have any uh, extensive interviews on this one that like we had on the previous show with Paul and John Clark? Um, we we don't have another uh, John Clark interview with Paul, but we have a torch talk with Paul and a flyer interview with Eddie. Well, okay, but but nothing like a marathon session. No, <laughs> like we, we don't had. have anything that looks like it was a three-hour middle-of-the-night interview with Paul. No. All right. So, all right. Well... We left off at the end of May, as uh, Paul's already joined ECW, WWN is starting to uh, get their plans going, and uh, all that stuff, so let's pick up where we left off, and let's go to June. Excerpt from, want to be a promoter? Come here. By Bruce Mitchell, Torch columnist. RB Creative Marketing is sending a wrestling game for IBM-compatible computers called Pro Wrestling Promoter. This put together by Barry Jackson, a WCW promoter in the Midwest. Wrestling Service, September 13, 1993. Now that's what I call creative pro wrestling marketing for the 90s. Imagine a myriad of ways this computer game could be set up. This is the obvious WCW variation. Pouring money down the drain is more suited for a plumbing manual than an IBM game. And soon the general public is going to know so much about the lives of Titan sports promoters, and none of it the slightest bit entertaining, that a computer game like the feds could hardly do them justice. We'll drop the big two for consideration, but never fear. At least enough egomaniacal screwballs rip off artists in that cases to build several games around a multitude of possibilities for game concepts comes to mind. Here are but two, the single mark game. Now the key to making money for many workers in this business is not the cat to be an audience, but the fool of single mark. The con goes something like this. Find the rich, shock-sniffing fan who reads newsletters and thinks he can bring back the wrestling of his childhood. It helps immensely if this rich Mark is an inveterate ham and secretly wants to be a big wrestling star. He should have some money, but not so much that he has any savvy about paying the tab for all the expenses or will ask questions about when or how money will start flowing into the business instead of just out. Claiming that the promotion will feature this type of hardcore action and a legion of fans, you know, guys like him, are throffing at the mouth to see. Stock it with three types of talent. WF hats, bins. Indie brawlers who, at this late unhealthy date, still do not mind slicing up their foreheads, and any cronies of the booker or mark, I mean the promoter. Well, we've seen a lot of this over the years, haven't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Obviously, the poster board for this con, I mean game, was going to be Eddie Gilbert. But his behavior has become so erratic that he was last seen turning himself babyface and retiring. So he can sell his old clothes to his adoring public before calling up whatever's left of the NWA board to pitch himself as their new NWA champion. Todd Gordon, $120,000 in the hole and sinking, learned so much from his business relationship of old hot stuff that he is now paying Jim Crockett twice as much as he had paid Eddie to let Paul Heyman book for him. And what about the NWA board? The inspiration for the next pro wrestling promoter game concept? Okay. One of the things I hate about the torch in this era, and we've talked about this a little bit before, there will be things we've never heard before in a Bruce column, like hard facts or about news that should have been in the torch itself. You know what I mean? Like, no. here, he's paying 
Jim Crockett a hundred grand in nineteen ninety three money to pay Paul to book for him? Okay. I mean the Bruce Mitchell columns and stuff like that of this era is like the guys that have the Twitter DMs, they get the news of Twitter DMs and they put it out there when the reporters are. Yes. Um That's what that is. And also, you know, there was the thing uh year earlier. The thing about what? With the whole thing about Barry Windham being offered the deal to retire. That was never in the newsletters otherwise. No. Um, And as we saw with Bruce in later years, too, when Bruce does try to play reporter, doesn't necessarily go well either. (laughs) No. You can uh, ask at least one person who's been a guest on this show before about that. Yeah. But anyway, All right. let's continue. The no promoting promoter game. What a pack of rocket scientists these guys are, huh? When was the last time WCW management outsmarted anyone but a, a rapidly, rapidly joining a bunch of pay per view subscribers? Bischoff and company slid the NWA board with a dramatic Perry Mason style last, last minute letter to tell how the last NWA president had the temerity to sell the only people, WCW, who can get any use of the, of the NWA belt name. <clears throat> Check out the membership roster. The once proud NWA, the anchor of a nationwide pro wrestling monopoly, has been reduced to this. One guy, Jim Crockett, who's legally forbidden to promote wrestling cards, probably for his own protection since last time he did, he ran a 50-year-old family business in the financial ruin. Another guy, Crockett's frontman, Paul Heyman, who talks a good game. Something about an unlikely youth-oriented Dr. Dre, Dan Cortez, MTV Howard Stern pro wrestling hybrid. Heyman, of course, has over-chronicled blowouts to every management team he's ever worked for. On the shows he's promoted so far, he's brought out the same old Texas retreads, Titan cast-offs, and pals that everyone else has. And we're having all that gaga about high-definition television. No one works a torch better than old Paul Lee. (laughs) 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 That may be the best sentence Bruce Mitchell's ever written in the column. I mean, say what you will about Wade... (laughs) He had no problem with Bruce calling him on his shit in the torch about how <laughs> he covered uh, Paul and Eddie in the torch. <laughs> Remember the quote about how much he can learn from A-Triple-A's Antonio Pena? Heyman then got to mention he's in L.A. tonight at Triple-A's big show. New football, the show would sell out and blew it off anyway to go out partying. <laughs> <laughs> and I will not leave Los Angeles until I have a TV deal. And Dennis Corluzzo, an insurance salesman who pre-sells independent shows on a sporadic basis in the Northeast. He made news last week one of those pre-sold shows actually made money for the sponsoring charity. Corluzzo is now feeding with NWA member Todd Gordon over who gets to run money-losing shows in the Philly area. Crockett logically thinks it should be Gordon since he's proven to be better at running Randy shows in the air than anyone since Gold, Joel Goodhart. Gold Goodhart. <laughs> how about an independent promoter for a change who has a well thought out product with new ideas actually has a chance to make money selling tickets to wrestling fans and maybe the indies could stop playing these silly games altogether. <laughs> okay a few things here one of all the things you can say about Dennis that is kind of a cheap shot though because Bruce does not seem to understand how sold shows work you buy the show it is your yeah. job as the entity buying the show to promote it. Yes. If schools, you know, Knights of Columbus, whoever, were buying these shows from Dennis and not making money on them, that's their fault. That's not Dennis's. 
No, it's not. And also, Dennis was good at getting sponsors and stuff in an era where, I mean, where I guess that's starting to die out. You know, but, uh, you know, he gets sponsors for his shows. Like, he's a character, but, like, it's not like he had no business savvy. Well, we know what sponsors he was getting, too, sometimes. Well. We mentioned that on the main show lately. Yeah, but... So that is a little frustrating because, like, again, like, that's that's not how sold shows work, Bruce. Um, how about the, that uh, anecdote about the L.A. thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dre, Dan Cortez, MTV, Howard Stern, Pro Wrestling Hybrid. <laughs> he pretty much had all the talking points on that one. So. Yeah, and high-definition television. Gaga. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he's right about most of what he says here, though. Yeah, he was. And of course, no one works the torch better than old Paulie. <laughs> A classic one, yes. To hear this entire show, support Between the Sheets on Patreon for just $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash Between the Sheets.